Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Good morning, everyone. Happy Friday. TGIF from the opening drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. It's 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Brooke Grimsley is here. Danny Mack is here. Matthew Rocchio. I'm Randy Carricker. And happy Friday, kids. How we doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Even though it's a little meh outside it's yeah. still friday so we're excited about it and i got a little gift for you guys today oh, because you, you guys are... like to bring in snacks yeah. so i felt like i needed to return the favor here because dan brought in donuts mm-hmm. this week we know that you always bring in something mm-hmm. brandy so i returned the favor today so and if you were watching on the air alliance team studio cam just go to youtube.com and type in 101 espn stl uh, brooke has gifted us with reese's Take five. Reese's take five. And if I'm not mistaken, on our Halloween candy draft, Brooke drafted Reese's take five. Oh, I did. And uh, we're going to find out if this is one of the top five candy bars in the world. We're going to find out right now? Right now. Oh, we're doing this. I can wait. I can can give an early preview. Yes, sir. I I mean, I I just have, have many people to apologize to, Brooke Grimsley being the first one. Thank I you. Was, I was Thank wrong. You. I had no idea that there was a secret treasure being hidden among the other... The candy aisle? Orange and black <laughs> gloriousness that is the candy aisle when it's just all Reese's. And I was wrong because if you... They, they found a way to take a Snickers and kind of mash it together with like a tag along and a Reese's to create the perfect candy. Uh, this is... Yeah, it, it would have been in my top five. I would have stolen it from wow. you in the draft. Thank you. Had I eaten this on a regular basis before now... You were wrong. Uh, you were correct. I was extremely wrong. Uh, these are incredible. Wow. I'm going to save you, that audio forever. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> it's very, very much. Very good. Randy, I just, uh, uh, give us an explanation of what you're tasting right now. Well, it is. It, it, Matthew put it very well. It's Reese's with added crunch because of the pretzel. The, In my opinion, the texture does enhance the Reese's. It really does. Now... I'm not a pretzel guy, but the crunch of the pretzels actually this morning for me enhanced the the texture and the overall experience of the Reese's. Now, does this mean I'm going to stop eating regular Reese's? No, but this is just another addendum to the great line of Reese's products that we all are familiar with. Mm. You need to get uh, Reese's as a sponsor, guys. I think think at this point, as much as you talk about it, yeah, Reese's, Chick Fil A, and Dr Pepper. Please, all very healthy and perfect (laughs) for your diet for your wedding. Yeah, yeah, of course. How could you argue with Reese's? By the way, Reese uh, having all four food groups, and we've been through it before. But I mean. I don't know why we just don't start kids with Reese's when they're babies. Just you know, <laughs> if you're if you're bottle feeding, just uh, you know, put Reese's in a blender. Mm. Reese's in a blender mm-hmm. for bottle feeding. You'd have little chunks in there. You might better be careful with the babies. Well, though. no, we, not the Reese's take five, Dan. Just oh. the, the peanut butter cup. Okay, just start them it, early. It's kind of like having a chocolate peanut butter smoothie. Oh, yes. Great for sleep, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Great for a baby. Our uh, St. Louis Cardinals are back in action today down in Florida. 
the Redbirds yesterday with a 3-1 loss to the Washington Nationals. Really good start for Kyle Gibson. The last cu- first couple of hitters, he was dominant, at least from what I heard. Randy, <laughs> don't he, be sarcastic. He, he settled down, though, after allowing home runs to his first two hitters. Sure, somebody scored on a couple of back-to-back wild pitches, but um, that's going to happen now and then, and he's working on stuff. Uh, I'll tell you what, of the three guys, the one that I would predict is most capable of replicating last year's performance. I don't want Lance Lynn to replicate last year's performance. The the one that I think is most capable of replicating last year's performance and being what I want the Cardinals to have is Kyle Gibson. I have no worries about Kyle Gibson. So you want the innings is I what want, you're talking I want innings, yep. So he he's the kind of guy that's not going to wow you, but he may save the bullpen, mm-hmm. which is something to think about as you move along in a long season. If he gives you six innings, they may not be great, you know, you, you may see the three to four runs that he gives up. But in the long haul, a bright spot, if you're looking for it and you're digging here, is that he will save the bullpen. Is he going to wow you with stuff anymore? No. But is he going to save bullpens? Probably. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for with this team. They, we Now, granted, we did see a lot of bad first innings last year. But <laughs> yes. we also saw a lot of guys that couldn't get through five, let alone six. I, I agree with you guys. Now, of course, we know social media is known for being very rational There's some people freaking out with the Cardinals and currently what's going on here, because not just that, but John Ditton of MLB.com, he tweeted this out last night. The Cardinals are currently the only team in the majors who haven't hit a home run yet. Of course, that riled some people up. Does any of this matter to you guys whatsoever during spring training? Nope. Last year uh, in spring training. They won. They were the top team in Grapefruit League play, and I say it again, it, it's with pitchers especially, they're working on different things, mm-hmm. and sometimes you're not going to see the best that they have to offer once the uh, the games count for real. And especially with veterans, they will work on stuff more so than, go ahead and hit your thing. Let's just, thank you, Tony. And I think <laughs> when you look at it, let them work on things, and um I just take it with a grain of salt. I never believe what I see in spring training, and I don't believe what I see in the final month of the regular season when rosters were expanded yep. to like 50 on the on the on each club. With you 100. percent We we see so many guys that look great in spring training and don't wind up being great. Some guys are great stories. Remember Rico Washington spent like 17 yes. years in the minors and then made it. He had a really good spring for the Cardinals and then uh, got here and hit like 030 or something like that. It was a fun story, but he was a product of spring training. And there are players that, that wind up being great that are products of spring training. Albert Pujols, the most notable ever. But the bottom line is, especially with veteran players, they're Kyle Gibson, Lance Lynn, Sonny Gray, Arenado, Goldie. Sure, they want to do well. They want to have good numbers during spring training. But there are things that they are working on specifically or looking for specifically that are perhaps causing them to not have the numbers that they'll have once the season starts. I would say in the final week of the season our regular see or excuse me spring training is when i want to see guys start to have a little success so it rolls over into uh the regular season and if you can get that that's a bonus and there are some guys like you said randy that uh play their way onto the roster but to me this roster is just about set with the exception of the bullpen geo gallegos was terrific yesterday he gave you a scoreless inning with a couple of k's andrew kittridge also came on with a scoreless inning he was fine mcgreevy with two scoreless innings he allowed a hit and he looked really good uh Kloppenstein, I'm going to call him Joe forever, even though he's Adam, just because Joe the tight Great end. Tight end. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I should have repressed that name by now. I think Matthew has. 
Man, when were they thinking when they I will never for, I will never suppress that draft. John, John Alston will haunt my, haunt my dreams forever. Oh, that, this is a 2006 St. Louis Rams draft. Could, and this is not hyperbole, could be the worst draft in the history of the National Football League. Anyway, uh, Adam Klopfenstein also delivered a scoreless inning, and then Connor Thomas came on. Connor kind of fell out of favor, but he had a scoreless inning and struck out a couple yesterday. Cardinals only had five hits, but... Uh, they did get some good pitching performances. So you look for the good things. Don't worry as much about the bad things, especially when it's not the lineup that you're necessary. Well, that, that probably was pretty close. Uh, wouldn't you think to uh, the lineup that they're going to have? It was uh, Donovan, Goldie, Newt, Arenado, Marp was playing, Walker, uh, Wynn, Scott, and then Raposo was the catcher. So part of your opening day lineup was there. Yeah, I think that it's just early on. A lot of people are just working and tinkering, tinkering on things, including Steven Matz. That's why we haven't seen him just yet. He is working on some things right now. From the 314, though, that's a fine explanation about the pitching, but what about the hitting? Well, well, usually pitchers to me are ahead of the hitters going into spring training because they've had uh, roughly seven to ten days before the hitters arrive. And it's not to say the hitters aren't working. They start working like a week after the regular season, but... If this is a trend, like I said, right before the regular season, then I'd be worried. But right now, uh, you may see three or four games come up and they just start hitting bombs and putting together 12-hit games, and then we're not talking about it come Monday. And Mason Wynn has an OPS of 1250. Arenado has an 11-11. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Newt has a 9.29 OPS. Gorman has an 8.04. Contreras, you know he's going to be fine. He's got a 7.50. You, you don't worry about Arenado and Goldie. So, even though as a team they aren't scoring a lot of runs, the guys that you're counting on generally are performing okay. And they've scored one run in the past 18 innings of Grapefruit League play. So I do see somewhat of maybe some people just having some concerns just because I feel like last year has just really haunted a lot of people and they're worried about seeing some repeats going into this season. Well, recency bias, right? Yeah. We have that all the time that uh, after last season, it's like the sky is falling. And if the Cardinals (laughs) had a let's say, 94-win season last year made it to the playoffs, I doubt we're getting some of the techs that we get in. No, no. And, I and agree with you. When the Cardinals opened their home season uh, against Miami on April 4th, half the lineup that you saw yesterday you will not see in the starting lineup. I like game. this team. I, maybe I'm in the minority, but I think this team is going to be really competitive in the Central. Now, are they going to win 95 games? I don't think that. But the bottom line is, if their pitchers just give them a chance, mm-hmm. I do think that this lineup's going to score runs because of some of the guys that will improve upon down years from a year ago. I agree. Here's what we have coming up on the show today. Jay Delsing at 7.30. Robert Thomas, Blues Center, joining us at 8.15. Blues will host the Wild at 5 o'clock tomorrow. At uh, 9.15, we're going to talk to our friend Lindsay Eversmeyer, the match day analyst for St. Louis City SC. Joe Vitale is later today. He's at 9.30. And uh, we've got a college basketball triple header tomorrow. 13th ranked Illinois takes on Wisconsin. The Billikens play Rhode Island and Ole Miss plays Mizzou. Mizzou trying to avoid that winless season in the SEC. And as we mentioned, City plays tomorrow against NYCFC. and that's a 7.30 contest over at City Park. I'm looking at our notes for our opening segment here, and I find something very interesting, Randy. Mm-hmm. Uh, why is Jerry Jones taking a paternity test? Oh, because... <laughs> it's, um, in our, it's in our show notes yeah, for a, the opening there's segment. There's a young lady in Dallas who alleges that, and she's 27, has alleged for some time that Jerry Jones is her father. And yesterday, a court in Texas 
ordered Jerry Jones to provide DNA so that we can find out whether or not he is the father of this young lady, who uh, even his own attorneys say he has provided millions of dollars to over the years. She just wants him to admit that uh, he is her father, and he doesn't want to admit that. Be a nice paycheck. Eventually, if she is the daughter of Jerry Jones, you would think there would be repercussions in that regard. And she has received, apparently, according to his attorneys, a lot of money already. Mm -hmm. But his other three kids are members of the Cowboys front office, so maybe that's what she's angling for. I don't know. Oh, she's 27 years old, so Mm -hmm. now I'm taking a little bit of a dive into this story. That's interesting. Yeah, and uh, he came to an agreement, a a court-approved agreement, many years ago when the baby was born in the 90s. to to pay the mom and, and pay her, and she's actually due another payment next year on her when she turns 28. Uh, she gets, I think she got payments at 24, 26, and 28. And Jared, Jared just trying to, you know, Jared gets around, you know, and he's just trying to uh, not admit, even though he's paid a lot of money, he's doing it out of the goodness of his heart. Which was the one uh, show that they would have folks come on like a situation like oh. this and take the uh, paternity and you, you sir, are the father Maury Povich, the father right? Maury Povich, right? Maury Povich. I thought that's it was um, Springer Springer right I think he Springer did a sometimes. little bit yeah I met the um, I worked with I shouldn't say I met I met with and worked with the uh, the pastor that would come on and marry people uh-huh. really uh-huh I can't remember his name I, I'm assuming the text line will help me and I should remember his name worked with him every year but he actually did get the uh, license to be able to marry people so when they were married it was true it was, it was real it was real <laughs> that's the so cool. judge what now what was his name that's the, so sweet yeah it, it actually happened how about those blues though they they've got a big game tomorrow at <laughs> five o'clock huh yeah it should be fun blues and wild right yeah. here on 101 espn pregame at four action at five coming ahead, up here Matthew, what's so funny how i just transitioned the into the blues <laughs> your voice changed yeah. it was a, all of a sudden it was like okay here we are with danny mack at two five and seven it was <laughs> yep. uh, coming up here on 101 espn our friend katie Wu wrote at the athletic about why the cardinal signed brandon crawford and what he can do to help mason win we will break that down next on 101 espn you're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Well, one of the things that I was looking forward to with the 2024 Cardinals was the opportunity to see Buddy the Elf play the infield. But Buddy was DFA'd so that the Cardinals could put Brandon Crawford on the roster, and Buddy was claimed on waivers by the Tigers. So, Buddy Kennedy, we hardly knew you. <laughs> Dan, how do you feel about that nickname? Uh... It's just another one in the pile of Randy's <laughs> nicknames that I just sit there and go, okay. I just take it in. I I'm, I contribute, chip in here and there on the show, and I just say, okay. I don't know what kind of guy Buddy is. I hope he's a friendly sort, but I, I would even enjoy it more if we could say, oh, you're an angry elf. <laughs> so we started this segment with Katie Wu wrote about why the Cardinals uh-huh. signed Brandon Crawford and what he can do to help Mason win. Let's dive into it instead of Buddy the Elf. Well, he was a he was collateral damage of Brandon Crawford arriving on the scene. I because... think he would have been collateral damage along the way anyway. Okay. <laughs> Let's be honest. I just wanted to give you some okay. material here. All right. But uh, Brandon Crawford is, in my opinion, a really good fit. Let's start with this. The Giants didn't bring him back last year. Well, they, they signed him to a long-term contract. He, he just finished up a three-year contract. He was in the top five in National League MVP voting in 2021, and he went down a little bit in 2022, and then at the age of 36, down a little bit more in 2023. But 
He was a hometown kid. He was from San Francisco, wanted to end his career with the Giants. It didn't happen there, and he wants to spend one more year at the major league level. And because he has the World Series experience, because he's been an all-star, because he's accomplished as much as he has, I don't know that if the Cardinals would have signed any of the other guys, this is strictly from a leadership standpoint for Mason Wynn, that they would have been able to give Mason Wynn as much as Crawford hopefully will. Talking about Nick Ahmed and Tim Anderson and uh, uh, Ahmed Rosario, those guys probably are better players at this point in their career than than Brandon Crawford is. But Brandon Crawford brings something to a, a 22, 23-year-old shortstop that the other guys couldn't. He gives him a lot of experience, obviously. You mm-hmm. listed everything that he's done, and that's a lot of experience to be able to help Mason win. I don't necessarily see it as putting pressure on Mason win. Do you guys? I do. Really? I, th- I think he's being pushed. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think it's Mason Wynn's job. Don't get me wrong. And that's what I'm saying. And it's not the worst thing, though, to have somebody behind you pushing you. You either do or you don't. And I think the other thing is, is if he struggles out of the gate, um, and when I say out of the gate, I'm talking six to eight weeks, first couple of months, and all of a sudden he's just not getting the job done, you certainly have a backup that's capable to play every day. Now, to his credit, talking about Crawford, he came in and said, I'm not here to take his job. Mm -hmm. I'm here to mentor. I'm here to be a leader. I'm here to help wherever they need me to, which is good. I guess that would take a little pressure off Mason Wynn. And I'm sure they had conversations with Mason and pulled him in the office and said, don't look at this as that we don't believe in you. Just to make sure we we believe in you. But I don't think it's a bad thing that you look over your shoulder and you're being pushed. This is either you do or you don't in sports. And it's not a bad thing. And there are a couple of other things at play here. Number one, the Cardinals, according to Katie, are internally concerned about Edmund not being available for opening day. But the other thing that I found notable is that they want Tommy Edmund to be their center fielder. They didn't want him to be their backup shortstop. I, I'm i really surprised by that, that they have really put their eggs in the Tommy Edmund and center field basket all the way. I'm not either. I, I'm not surprised. I, I think because of what happened last year with guys playing out of position, and it hurt them. Mm-hmm. It really did hurt them. When they had to put uh, Brendan Donovan in the outfield and then Tommy Edmond goes out there, handle the position well. But I think that they went to Tommy and said, prepare as a center fielder. It's a little different, obviously, than what you're going to do as a middle infielder. And with uh, talk about Brendan Donovan, I'm a struggle with Brendan Donovan and Brandon Crawford. I'm, uh-huh. I'm just going to struggle. They got the hair. They got the look, you know. Brendan and Brandon. Headbands. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to yeah. struggle for sure. But with Brendan Donovan... It, last year by putting him out of position. I, I just think the Cardinals went into this offseason, guys, and said, okay, we're, we're going to have defined roles, defined positions, and make sure these guys know it in the offseason. So when spring training comes around, they are ready to go. I think the signing, though, of Crawford, to your point, Randy, is a clear indication that they're concerned about the health of Tommy Edmond. And that's the thing is that it's really good to have the defined roles going in, but health is going to be the biggest question mark with this. Will Tommy Edmond, when will he be ready to go? What will he look like when he returns? I think that that's a fair question considering it's his risk. I know that Brendan Donovan, of course, coming off of surgery as well. What will he look like coming back into this situation? So there still is some question marks. It's great to have the defined roles. The biggest thing is how healthy can these guys stay? Well, they didn't last year. And that's the problem. <laughs> right. I don't think but, I don't think Ollie wanted to play so many infielders no. in the outfield. But in this particular situation, I don't think that uh, if Mason Wynn goes down, I, I don't 
feel like the Cardinals will take a massive drop-off defensively. I totally agree. If they bring Brandon Crawford in. And, and Mason Wynn, by the way, is really good. But Brandon Crawford is a, a gold-glove quality guy still. I loved watching him play. Me too. I, I just, I've really enjoyed him, his career. I think he's a really good fit for what they need to do. Um, and again, to his credit, he gets it. He comes in and said, I'm not here to take the job. And Mason Wynn is in his young, what, 22 season. So sometimes young players can go, uh-oh, I'm looking over my shoulder. I'm sure they have given him all the assurances to say, this is your job. Mm-hmm. But again, I'll go back to the original point. It's not a bad thing to be pushed. And no, how, It's no. human nature. I, I would assume he says, I'm being pushed here a little bit. That's a good thing. Well, and Jeff Jones has this quote from Mason Wynn. And some people were kind of trying to read into this maybe a little bit too much. But Mason Wynn said that he got a heads up on Sunday morning that Crawford was coming in. And he immediately went and looked him up to learn more about him. And then, of course, we saw what he did on Sunday. It was a very good game for him. And then he had this quote, kind of lit a fire under my butt. He didn't say butt, but he said something else. And some people are saying, okay, wait, is this him maybe being a little bit too worried about this. No, I like that quote from Mason Wynn because he's saying, I understand what's coming in here. And while they're going out, including John Mosellock, as you mentioned, and Brandon Crawford saying, yes, you know, this is Mason Wynn's job. Mason Wynn's not taking it lightly. And to me, I think that's a good thing that he said that. Nor should he. He he should look like every day I'm trying to make this club, even mm-hmm. though we know he's going to be the opening day shortstop. But his approach should be, I don't have a job like locked up and I need to be pushed and if this guy's going to push me then that's a good mm-hmm. thing for me and the club. The other thing about this addition of Crawford, I this is a veteran very business-like group and Crawford I think is a little bit more of a free spirit than Arenado or Goldie or Matt Carpenter and I think you need that sort of a personality, not that he's a wild man, he's not Nick Swisher, but I do think the Cardinals just and the manager is that way. The manager's he's low keys. I think Brandon Crawford, along with people like Newt Barr, uh, will bring some fun to this clubhouse, which is necessary over the course of a six month season. Does it kind of surprise you guys that it seems like so much of this offseason when we're talking about Matt Carpenter and you bring back Lance Lynn? I know that you have guys out coming in from outside the organization as well, but with Crawford, all that experience with the Giants, are you surprised that it was somebody they brought in who wasn't? As familiar with the Cardinal way? Of course he's familiar with it, but he isn't a part of that system, that the theme that they keep bringing back. Well, this is another part of this that I really like. When the Cardinals, so we go from 2010, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, six consecutive seasons. Either the Cardinals or the Giants were in the National League Championship Series. I was going to say the Giants way. Yeah, so, so he brings part of that. And... A lot of the, and this, make no mistake, this will be a player's clubhouse. You love Bruce Bochy. There's a lot of Bruce Bochy there. And that leadership ability that Bochy imparted to Brandon Crawford early in his career, I would think that we'll see a lot of that here in the Cardinal clubhouse with Crawford. And that's why I think it's a good thing. Of course, the Cardinal way Mm -hmm. is very, very important, but to bring in sometimes that outside perspective, I think is important as well. And all due respect to, again, a guy like Sonny Gray, but Sonny Gray has not been. He hadn't won a World Series. Brandon Crawford has two World Championships under his belt. So he, with young players, has a better idea, I would think, of how to go through the rigors of trying to win than Gray. Uh, now, for the pitchers, Gibson has that. He's pitched on World Series teams or playoff teams the last couple of years. 
World Series two years ago. Uh, obviously, Lance Lynn has that pedigree, having won. Uh, the, the Cardinals have those guys. But from a position player standpoint, Arnauto hasn't done it. Goldie hasn't done it. Uh, certainly, Newt Barr and Jordan Walker and Edmund haven't done it. So you bring in a guy that's done it before, I think it makes a big difference to those guys. As Brooks said, though, I, here's what's really interesting is how long is Tommy Edmund going to be out? Mm-hmm. And these things have a way of taking care of themselves. It's mm-hmm. just Major League Baseball. But your bench right now, correct me if I'm wrong, is Carpenter, Burleson, Crawford, Herrera. So three of the four are lefties. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden when you know Tommy Edmond gets healthy, where do you go? You only got so many spots. Burleson has options, but I like him coming off the bench. I like him having a chance to swing the bat. He's a three thirty hitter, you know, down in the minor leagues. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see what they do. Really interesting, especially if if Dylan Carlson stays healthy. Yes, and that's the whole <laughs> thing. Plays well, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's done nothing in the last couple of years to lead us to believe that he'll be healthy. Well, even that, but also it seems like he's just fallen out of favor going from cold, dead hands right. to in the situation that he's in now. Does it feel like Victor Scott could potentially come up? And I know this is way, way, way down mm-hmm. the line possibly, but here. But does it feel like Victor Scott could possibly enter the conversation maybe sooner than expected? If Tommy Edmond is unable to go and they could plug Scott in and Carlson is, is not working out and you get to June and Victor Scott's tearing it up, absolutely. Yeah. There, of all of the minor leaguers, and you've got uh, A ball, double A, triple A, of every single minor league center fielder last year, Victor Scott won the gold glove. You can plug him in today, and he'll be the Cardinals' best defensive center fielder. I was thinking trade deadline. So right around mm-hmm. June, yeah. July, um, yeah. at that point, and it's predicated on him putting up numbers, mm-hmm. you know, doing his part of this. But I'm with you, Brooke. He's going to knock on the door and make the decisions tough for them, which is a good thing. And if they need a spark, maybe he comes up and gives them a spark. We know he can run. Mm-hmm. That's an aspect of his game that is lacking right now from the Cardinals a year ago. Part of that was due in part that they were trailing in all these games mm-hmm. and didn't run all that much. But I'm excited to see what he can do, even at this level. And I did say I don't trust everything in spring training. I trust a little <laughs> bit of stuff that I watch in spring training. And he'd be one of those guys. I'm sure he's opening eyes for the Major League staff that have heard about him um, last year from their minor league guys saying, hey, he's he's knocking on the door. This could be a guy to watch out for. One other thing for me, Cardinals, take advantage of the rules changes. If you have a guy like Victor Scott who stole 5 million bases at the minor league level last year, let him steal bases. Let him run. Let him run. Let if him I'm Ali, I just go for broke. Yeah. I oh, got Tommy Edmund light. that can run. I got Mason Wynn that can mm-hmm. run. I'll have Victor Scott that can run. Just go for broke. Yeah, let's see if we can steal 314. Probably not going to happen, Randall, but maybe Victor <laughs> Scott steals a third of those. That, uh, Wouldn't okay. that be unbelievable? I would love it that. It would be. Yep. He, he says it, he likes Vince Coleman well, a lot. Well, He and always brings up Vince Coleman. I, I think that's great. And it's notable that other teams, and maybe things are changing now because of what happened last year with the rules changes, but for the most part, other teams really aren't set up to defend the run for a guy like that. He's he's the fastest guy, and uh, I'll be interested to see if a guy like Victor Scott gets an opportunity, how what his percentage is, what his stolen base percentage is, simply because there aren't a lot of catchers out there that, or pitchers that are prepared to deal with him. That's Brooke. That's Dan. I'm Randy. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, we're going to talk to our buddy Jay Delsing about what's going on in the golf world. That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Lumber. 
Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, treks, Envision, Azek, and decorators to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Stop by and see Hackman's expanded paint department, too, with brushes, rollers, painter's tape, and four different lines of interior and exterior paint. Custom color match available. Visit Hackman Lumber's newly remodeled stores in St. Peter's and Pacific, or their showroom in Troy, Missouri. Hackman Lumber. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Brooke, Dan, and Randy. And every Sunday morning from 8 to 10, you hear Dan with Jay Delsing. And Jay Golf with Jay Delsing here on 101 ESPN. And Jay joins us now, as he does every Friday morning here on the opening drive. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing well, guys. How about how about you, Brooke? Sorry, everybody. I'm doing well. Good. Hi. Hey, uh, how'd you hit him in, in Mexico? Uh, you know, we only snuck out and played three or four holes uh, at a time, but it was good. We had a little music and a little margarita, and uh, I made some birdies. So, yeah, it was fun. Okay, obviously you like music. Was there ever a point where you would have absolutely despised music on the golf course? Oh, boy. I, I, I'm i a music person. I'm actually trying and taking guitar lessons right now. Oh, cool. Which is- dreadful but um it's a work in progress um probably randy when we were you know way 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 back when when i was working at, as a kid at norwood there were some folks that wanted music on while they were playing and we just didn't it just wasn't a thing back then you know so it wasn't even a, it was a non-starter and i think nowadays i mean people want music and they want to you know just lighten the atmosphere i just I don't, I don't see why we can't do it. And some places are still pushing back. Um, I love it. I mean, I've got the speaker that Danny bought me a while back. It is my favorite thing. And it's also, I think we talked about it last year. It also gives you the, the yardages, the distances. I mean, it'll basically do everything but hit the shot for you. It's fantastic. <laughs> well, you said you're learning guitar. If you had to rank it on the list of challenging things oh. that you have had to learn in your life, where would you put it? Well, Brooke, the only other thing that I that I know I really suck at that I have never taken a lesson at is dancing. And uh, <laughs> the, the guitar thing is like my 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 teacher would go, okay, now here's what we're doing. We're trying to do this chord. Put your fourth finger on this fret, and I'm like, I'm looking at my left hand. I'm like, let's go, let's go, come on. And it just doesn't. It just <laughs> it can't quite figure it out, man. And it is really slow. I. I admire the guys that can move their, you know, and the the music sounds so good. Every once in a while, I'll hit a chord by accident, and I'm like, oh, that's what it's supposed to sound like. (laughs) It surprises you. Hey, Jay, one of the really neat stories right now in golf, or you can look at it as a story of like, come on, is this really going to happen, is Anthony Kim, who is really high on the PGA Tour. It was just 12 years ago. He's had 12 years away. He's 38 years old. He's returning to golf, joining up with Liv. 
it's kind of an amazing story to see this guy burst back on the scene. Oh, totally, Danny. I, I, I loved Anthony Kim. When he first came out, I got to play with him. I got to, to meet him. He was, he was extremely brash. He was, guys, we had never seen anything like him in golf before. Now, Tiger, uh, he was not as gifted as Tiger, but he had that same kind of bravado as Tiger. He was in your face. He would wear these belt buckles that were, had diamonds all over them, and they were big and gouty and, 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 but he had the game. He he was must watch TV other than Tiger back then. And he went out, guys. I don't know if you remember this, but he went out in the Ryder Cup and whipped Sergio's butt in uh, singles. Um, and and I think it was only his second year on tour, maybe his third year on tour. So he came out, won almost thirteen million bucks in a short period of time, three three tournaments, and um, he was living life large too, guys. When he was. Um, was playing. He was. He wouldn't make no bones about it. He was going out. He was staying out late. He was having a lot of fun, and um, he started getting hurt. Uh, he wound up tearing his his tendon. You know, just some some injuries came on, and he reportedly got this insurance policy of upwards of ten million dollars that he that, that kicked in and was only going to be uh, negated if he played professional golf again. So the the, the thinking was that we were never going to see him again. But then Liv comes along, and the only – I mean, this is the perfect situation for somebody like Anthony Kim because he's going to have to back a hell of a lot of money in order to play professional golf. And, you know, all Liv has is really money, and so they're going to probably take care of what he's going to have to pay back. And he's going to have an entire year as this wild card selection, whatever that means exactly with Liv, I'm not sure. But he's he's not part of a team. He's going to get to play in, I think, 12 events – over the next, I don't know what, say eight to nine months, and uh, and see how he does. I I watched him swing; it looks pretty good. One of the things that always uh, um, I, I marveled at Anthony Kim, if you'll notice when he swings, he's choking up on the golf club with every club, even the driver. Not just a you know a half inch or something like we'll do from time to time. He's choking up an inch and a half or two inches on almost every single club in the bag, and. Um, he, he hits the ball really straight. He's not quite as speedy with a body as he used to be when he was a kid, but, I mean, heck, it's been 12 years. So I, it's, it's going to really be fun to watch. I don't expect much. Initially, he hit his first shot yesterday uh, in the Pro-Am and asked if he could have a mulligan because uh, <laughs> it I mean, didn't go so well. I know that feeling. But um, it's going to be fun to watch. And, and I don't know how I'm not actually going to watch it, but it's going to be fun to see the replay because they're playing over in Saudi Arabia, and I think – when it, it's the I think the tournament starts at three ten in the morning or something like that. He actually had a shank last night. I was watching a little bit because I couldn't sleep and I have no life. But I want to ask you <laughs> about um, another edition of the match, and that was last week, and it had Max Homa, Rory McIlroy, Lexi Thompson, Rose Zhang. So you had two of the top female players, two of the top on the PGA Tour. It ends under the lights. We need a primetime golf legitimate type finish don't we jay i mean put it in prime time put it under the lights and see what happens i i think the tour is missing if they don't danny i thought that the match was really fun i am a massive max homa fan i don't know if the, the folks listening have, have any have any interaction with max but he's a social me he's really fun on social media at one point in time max was telling folks hey send me your swing 
on, I think it was on Twitter, and I'll break it down for you. So he would, you know, he'd get all these these requests and break it down and have some fun with it and make fun of them a little bit. And I love the shot. And he, I, I guys, the only thing, when you're playing under the lights, I don't know if it's the shadows. It's, it's probably hard to properly light such, you know, a golf course is such a big area. But I think it was bothering Max more than anybody. At one point in time, it, it looked like he was, Remember in the movie Field of Dreams when they come out of the corn, you know, in the outfield, Max was stuck in the middle of pine, uh, palm trees, and he kind of poked his head out. I'm like, Max looks like he's in Iowa somewhere, you know, lost. <laughs> he had some drives off the reservation in, in the match, and I was really impressed with the girls. I, I, I love watching the girls. I thought it was really cool to see Lexi make that putt for Eagle and $200,000 for her charity and so I'm a golf nerd. I, I, I like it. My favorite match was still Tiger and Phil, no doubt. But I thought it was great that they had the LPGA players in there. Finally, Jay, after today, the weather is going to be spectacular here in St. Louis for the next week or so. And I'm at golf.com, and they've got a list of things to do to prepare yourself for the upcoming season. Organize your bag, check your grips, inspect your clubs for damage, uh, tighten your adjustable clubs like your driver, and then uh, finally check your lofts and lies, which I guess you have to go to a golf store for. But what do you think the most, I, I would guess that for most people, checking your grips and making sure that your grips are good to go for the next season is most important. Of those five, what do you think is? I love the, I love exactly what you said, Randy, because most people are not going to check their uh, lofts and lies because that's going to mean going to a, a shop like Prime Golf or somewhere and getting but you can you uh, getting new grips are really inexpensive and they feel like you almost have a brand new club in your bag so i would say that most importantly though randy is is getting how do we get everybody off the couch and and you know stretching or something a little bit so they can move their bodies i i I hear everybody say to me oh man in springtime my back hurts so much but you know we've been sitting around so much we don't we just don't get any any sort of exercise if there's some way to do that i would recommend that for sure one of the things that's funny is uh i i saw uh, in a golf digest article where a guy bought a golf bag at an estate uh, sale and he was you know putting some stuff in there and he found a bottle of fireball in there <laughs> so, so he inherited a bottle of fireball with a with a new golf bag. so Well, and if you walk, it's always a good thing. Uh, what, what I try to do at the beginning of the season is take everything out of my bag because I, I put so much stuff in there during the season that makes it heavy. So I, yeah. I just clear everything out and then put the necessities in, and then by the end of the season, I'll have all those non-necessities back. But I at least start the season with a light bag. I like it. How many golf balls do you start out with, Randy? That's, that's the key. How uh, many are you going to – one round, how many do you need? Oh, uh, half a dozen. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I, I have a dozen in there just in case. <laughs> yeah, of course, it, it could be that day, you know. Where, yeah, I, I, yeah, we've all had that day. What, what's your number? Uh, oh God, I'll try to have. I, I try to have. I try to have six in there, at least six in there. You know, guys. Before my my dad passed away, we would get to play some golf, and and um, I go, Dad, just stay there. I'll get your bag out of the car. You know, no problem. I could barely lift my dad's <laughs> golf bag. It was so heavy. He had 73 golf balls in there. And I said, Chief, what in the hell? And he said, I have days. <laughs> and I said, I know you have days. You're going to lose five dozen? Come on, man. That's amazing. Yeah. You guys are looking like, why is your dad's back? So I'm like, just pick it up, That's put it on the cart. Let's fantastic. go. Hey, who do you guys have yeah. on the show on Sunday? Guys, we have Gimme Golf 
and we have X golf on. And Gimme oh, Golf good. is really, yeah, Gimme Golf is really fun. They've taken a bunch of, they've, they've got two clubhouses, a clubhouse in St. Charles, a clubhouse in Fenton, and they go out and they have worked out arrangements with um, the local municipal and public golf courses for their members to play for discounted rates. It's, it's a great little, uh, uh, little club that they have there and they've got simulators at the clubhouse and they play and, and it's, it's really cool. And X golf has two locations. And what they do is they have their own technology where they've actually incorporated putting into the, uh, the tech. And so you don't get those auto two putts that you do. Like when you play another sim, sim golf so x golf is both places are are really fun for golf nerds and there's bush light at both places that's a beverage of choice looking forward (laughs) to it hey jay thanks so much for the time we appreciate it have a great weekend you too guys thank you see you later jay delsing with us on 101 by the way anthony kim returns with a 76 plus six last out of 54 players and 14 behind the lead he was a rock star, and so if you love golf, you were excited that he would come back. But, man, after 12 years and a layoff like that, that's it's tough to compete at the top levels. Mm-hmm. And, by the way, at the Cognizant Classic, S.H. Kim, no relation, yep. is tied with Chad Ramey for the top spot there. Formerly the Honda Classic. That was always fun when we yeah, were done spring, in spring training. Head on awesome. over and, and watch the Honda. That was fun. I miss that. I do, too. Yeah, that would have been fun. I, I wish they would have kept it with the Honda. I know that there's been a lot of changes, but... What is the Cognizant Classic? Uh, it's a company that's willing to pay the price for the PGA. See, what, it's what, an AI technology? Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm. Yeah. And, and they're trying to get their name out there. But what happened was when the Saudis came in and the uh, PGA Tour wanted to increase their purses because they wanted to compete, they asked Honda, for example, rather than $10 million, they asked for twenty-five, And Honda said, nah, we're good. So they pulled out, and a lot of companies have pulled out of the you PGA they are. That's yeah. a concern right now. It is, and that's one of the reasons that they should merge with the Saudis is because you bring back Honda for the naming rights at $10 million and then just let, let the Saudis, they have $800 billion, let them pay the purses. You know, it's interesting, as you just mentioned, a name that is leading, and most golf fans or casual fans would have no idea who these guys are that are winning on the PGA Tour. It's a mm-hmm. real problem. It's a real I mean, problem. You don't have... Mickelson, you don't have DeChambeau, you don't, I mean, the list goes on and on. You don't have Kepka. Rom. Rom, obviously. These, these are names that people know. And if you don't have names that people know, I don't, I don't see the casual fan tuning in to see this stuff. Mm-hmm. I think only one of the nine tournaments so far, I think only one has been won by a non-long shot, somebody who wasn't more than 101 to win. Is that right? Yeah. Mm. So pretty crazy. Coming up next, we've got Take It or Leave It. Get your text in to the Air Comfort Service. Text line 314-399-9646. 314-399-YO-HO. Yo-ho. <laughs> Yo-ho. Yeah, that works. It's a combination. Totally next time, 101 ESPN. counts. <laughs> You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text in to 314-399-9646. And give us your take it or leave it. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com. And start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Time for take it or leave it. Yahoo Sports reporting that 
in a new 14-team college football playoff. The Big Ten and the SEC would be guaranteed first-round buys, regardless of the record that their top team had. Take it or leave it. The SEC and the Big Ten are bullies. <laughs> I'm going to take it. You knew that that was coming. Mm-hmm. You knew it was coming. Yeah. Of course the SEC and Big Ten were going to ask for more. And by the way, they're both in this new plan, guaranteed three teams from each of those conferences in the 14-team playoff. Greg Sankey, Tony Petiti, if you're part of those conferences, you're thinking, these guys are awesome. If you're the rest of college football, <laughs> you're saying they are bullies. Yeah. So I'll take they that. Are. They are yeah. definitely bullies. And by the way, they the are. new uh, format, 14-team, would have three from the SEC, three from the Big Ten, two from the ACC, two from the Big 12, and then one from a group of five team. And then you'd have the rest of the highest rated teams that aren't automatically in there. This also shows you if you're wondering if there eventually will be any revenue sharing, that's never going to happen because the SEC and Big Ten, of course, want the bigger piece right. of the pie. As they can should. never see revenue sharing. No, and you know why? Because hmm. it just means more. Oh, there you go, Randy. Mm-hmm. So take it or leave it, guys. I found this very interesting. So Nissan Stadium, where the Titans play, my Tennessee Titans, uh, they are showing some new renderings of Nissan Stadium, and the new stadium is expected to have the largest rooftop bar in the United States, roughly 70,000 square feet, according to Fox National. So take it or leave it, you actually don't like that. And I'm going to give you my whole take on this personally Mm -hmm. is that I understand that now a lot of stadiums that are being built, they're trying to put in things that are a little bit more fan interactive. Mm -hmm. I get that. Some of it is good. But with the whole rooftop experience, when are you going to watch the game? I can tell you from sitting in the press box at the Dome, the rooftop at stadiums now is really, really high. If you buy tickets to go to the rooftop at the new Nissan Stadium, you are there to watch the game. You're there to be seen and you're there to have beers. Pretty much. I think uh, you just asked, when will they watch the game? I'd say they'd watch percentage-wise 15% of the game. It's a party. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. And and I get it. You're trying to get people at least into the stadium. But there's things that I don't exactly like about all of that. It's a social event. I think you get more of your younger fans coming there. Like you said, mm-hmm. they're coming there to party, Randy. And that uh, if they just get them in the stadium, that's all they care about, I would assume. Mm-hmm. All right, take it or leave it. Yoshi Yamamoto, he made his uh, debut with the Dodgers. One of the sequences he had was a 94, this three straight pitches, 94-mile-per-hour fastball. I was watching this the other day. 74-mile-per-hour curve, 90-mile-per-hour splitter. He is the front runner to win the National League Cy Young Award. Yeah, I'll take that. Ooh, I'm going to take that. Take it or leave it. The Cardinals lose on opening day. I'm going to take Randy, that. Randy, come on. Yamamoto against Gray. I know. I'm going to take that. I'm going to take too. it, but I want to be at least a little bit more excited for him. <laughs> well, the league hasn't seen bad. him. That's the other part. It's going to take a while for the league to get a, a feeling for what this guy is all about, get more video on him. Now there's video from when he played overseas, and there's video mm-hmm. of the World Baseball Classic. I get it, but it's different than when you're standing in the box mm-hmm. and seeing what this guy has to offer. <laughs> and it's not like it's not like Goldie and Arenado are going to be able to tell their teammates, here's how you hit the guy. Yeah, because <laughs> they, they <didn't>. struggled. <laughs> Everybody did against this guy. Yep. All right, Matthew, what do you got on the text line? Dylan Carlson has a solid start to the season and becomes a big piece for a package for a starting pitcher at the deadline. Take it or leave Take it. Take it. That's interesting. Oh. What about Tommy Edmond? If you have, I think this is all predicated on Victor Scott and what he does. Yes. If Victor Scott is, you need a spot for him, and it's time to bring him up to the major leagues, then it could be a vulnerable spot for someone that is on the current roster. And if Edmond has the two-year contract, 
is hitting, that's the key. As you, what do you, 185 or 165 as an outfielder last year? 185, right? I think it was below that. Yeah. So he's got a hit. He's not a great offensive player. So I don't see that. That's the thing with Carlson. When Carlson was at his best, and granted, it's a long time ago now, but he was third in National League Rookie of the Year voting in 2021. But he's got some pop. He's got some ability to be productive. Tommy Edmond is not a very productive offensive player. He's a great guy to have on your team. He's very important, but he's not a highly productive uh, player. And I, I wonder what the market would be for a center fielder that just that has a, a below 700 OPS. And guys, we've seen this a bunch too. It's it's dependent, predicated many ways on contracts. Mm-hmm. Who's coming up to make some money? Dylan Carlson is arbitration eligible, so that also you know kind of has a uh, a pull one way or another for a front office as to what they want to do. Matthew. Text line, please. All right, fine. Take it or leave it. Revenue sharing is killing baseball. Oh, this is a good question. Um, I, I will I will say I'm going to take this because revenue sharing doesn't lead to sharing among the players. One of the reasons that the Kansas City Chiefs and the Green Bay Packers can su- succeed in the NFL with their revenue sharing is because the Chiefs and the Packers are making as much money as the Rams, at least uh, in the big chunk of money, TV money. They're making as much money as the, the Rams and the, and the Giants are. In basketball, it's the same way. The San Antonio Spurs will be able to pay a guy like Wembenyama if they want to. Uh, the, the Phoenix Suns can go out and trade for a guy like Durant because of revenue sharing at a cap. Well, revenue sharing isn't helping baseball because there's no limit to what the big market teams can pay. And by the way, it's not across the board revenue sharing in baseball either. I think you have to have a floor. Mm. More than yes. anything, start with a floor. Start with a floor and make these owners spend up to let's say 100 or 110 million dollars then you would get a little bit more parity i would assume in the game counterpoint by a thin margin you have the most parity in in the big four leagues across the last 25 years in terms of championships yeah uh and the there there is a randomness that happens in baseball that doesn't happen in other sports yep i'm totally with you on that it's just baseball it's weird but for most of the last 30 years if you're a pirate fan or a royals fan you haven't had a chance no. Take it or leave well, it. Brookhead was something I'm sorry. I was just going to ask, because can you have a floor without a cap? Because the cap, That's of course, is going to follow after well, the floor, is the, it not? I, I wonder if the owners could unilaterally institute a floor, because the the players won't agree with a, a floor, because then they think that leads to a cap. But if I'm an owner that is paying into revenue sharing... I want the other owners to spend what I'm giving them on baseball players. And I think that's the frustration for certain owners where they look and say, I'm doing my best within our budget to put the best product we can on the field. We're spending on players. And then you have the Pittsburgh Pirates spending on no one. Yeah, uh, putting the money in their pocket. Oakland A's. Yep. And put it in their pocket. And that's not fair. That's not right. Take it or leave us. Take it or leave it. There's no way in hell Jerry Jones takes that paternity test. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I'm going to leave it. He's going to be forced to, is he not? Apparently, yeah. Somebody's just got to give him a haircut. You're telling me there's no chance that a rich guy gets out of a lawsuit? No! Well, can, well what's the point of paying it off, though? You know? it's How old is Jerry now? 82, I think. Wow. Well, the point is, what's the difference between 25 and 400 million? Yeah. <laughs> that's. I mean, that's kind <laughs> of the difference between maybe paying it off. But she already filed the the civil suit and then retracted it. Yeah. So now all she wants, apparently, is for him to admit that 
Uh, he's her daddy. But you said, Randy, that she's already received a lot of money, too? She has, yeah. She, he signed an agreement with her mom right after she was born, and the mom got a lot of money, and the this woman got a lot of money. She just wants she wants closure. She wants she to uh, have proof that he is her dad. Maybe she wants to be the GM. <laughs> she, Something's uh, happened in yeah. her life, and she said, I'd like yeah, to be the GM. It's that. a family thing, and I'm in. Ooh. Let's talk about Michael Parsons and whether or not we have to keep him. That that Maybe she's maybe you know connected it. like yeah. that. We she need to know. see what she's been studying at college, because that could be the key <laughs> right there. She's a big Drake May fan, and she's like, listen, we got to change this franchise, guys. Uh, take it or leave it. If the White Sox can win a World Series with Scott Pazednik in center field, the Cardinals can do it with Tommy Edmond. Take it. <laughs> I will take that, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Scott Pesednik was a pretty good player for about two years. Yeah. He had some speed, would get on base, good defensive player. Yeah. I liked him. Now, do the Cardinals have Mark Burley and Anderson and five hard-throwing or really effective starting pitchers? No. If you go back and look at that 05 White Sox team, they won because they were loaded with starting pitching. It was scary how good their starting pitching was. So, I, uh, by the way, gratuitous plug for Viani at the uh, back end of games. You yep. had one Cliff Polite who was throwing 95 to 100. I was his catcher in Little League in high school and wow. a little bit in college. How, yeah. how good did you get at getting it away from your hand, essentially? Oh, how, did, well. how good did you get at just getting it in the, in the soft part? <laughs> On this side of the mic. It still hurts. I had a picture like that was in grade school. You're like seventh grade, and he's like touching like mid-80s at that young. And if you caught it right there on your palm, oh, yeah, it it's hurt. like, okay, I'm, I'm, done with, I'm done with catch for the day. Oh, my I actually God. put padding in my glove That's specifically. Smart. But the problem was your thumb. And your mm. thumb will get dislocated or it gets really loose with yeah. the cartilage. I, I know, man, but that's oh, part of the deal. I remember that. I had forgotten that your buddy Dustin Hermanson was the closer on that 05 White Sox he team. He was. And they had a really good bullpen. Uh, Hermanson, Luis Vizcaino, Polite, Neil Kotz, and Damaso Marte. Here's their rotation, though. You had Burley. He went 16-8. and eight. Freddie Garcia went 14-8 and eight with a 3.87. You had Garland. Hard thrower. 3.5 ERA, 18-10. and 10. Jose Contreras was on that team, 15-7 and seven with a 3.61. And then uh, El Duque was on that team, 9-9 nine and nine with a 5.12. You remember Dustin Hermanson and his facial art? Yes. He would grow That's out incredible. a beard and then basically it was like a tattoo on his face with whiskers. It yeah. was really interesting. <laughs> yeah. Didn't, did you have the uh, the memorable interview with him, right? Was it him after the playoff? That was Garrett or? Stevenson. Oh, Stevenson, okay. Yeah, that was, it was quite memorable. The same, yeah. Yeah. I said, oh, you're excited. They won the championship, and there's the celebration going down in the uh, clubhouse. Joe is doing the game, I think, with Al. And they, all right, Dan, who do you have now? I said, well, I'm standing here with Garrett Stevenson. Garrett, congratulations on the championship of the Central or whatever it was. And, um, you know, it must be a great time, whatever I said. He said, we got a great team. We got a great pitching staff, and we have a great blanking uh, catcher. And I said, I said, okay, that's enough. And I pulled the microphone, and he says, what do you mean? Wait, we're live? That's the last (laughs) thing you hear. I said, yes. And then all of a sudden, Joe comes back on and goes right back to those two. I mean, they cut immediately to him. He goes, well, thank God we're on cable. (laughs) It was a great line. That's awesome. Uh, Thank you, Matthew. Thank you. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, what we know and don't about the ongoing issues with the new uniforms in baseball. They're fun. It's next on 101 ESPN. Back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. 
A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. When it comes to uniforms, that is like the symbolic uh, aspect of tradition. Major League Baseball. Don't mess with these wonderful pieces of art that our heroes play in. Well, they messed with them. They're they're always trying to evolve, and it's not going over well. What I'll tell you is this. This commissioner's office, they care about what fans like and what they don't like, and they listen to fans. So if this is not going over well, adjustments will be made. That is how this group operates. I can't confirm that yet. So I don't get a headline somewhere on social media from one of your listeners. Amsinger says that the uniform is going to change. That's not what I'm saying yet. I'm just saying they listen to the fans and adjustments will no doubt be made. Greg Amsinger, MLB Network, talking about the ridiculous new uniforms that baseball players are wearing in 2024. And in a piece at The Athletic, the question is asked, is there time to change anything before opening day? And the answer is, it's unlikely anything substantial will change with the design. It appears the priority will be to fix the pant fit issues as soon as there are enough pants. They don't have enough pants. Typically, players in the past have been given five pairs of tailored pants. What the... what. Fanatics and Nike did, they tested four different players. They, they took the measurements of four different players and made basically pants for four different type, size, shape of players. And the, the, so a That's lot awesome, of, man. Yeah. It's unbelievable. So most players have pants that don't fit well and are see-through. And this is a real problem because Nike developed this. Uh, Fanatics is manufacturing this. But apparently, we are going to go down the, the road with the see-through pants, with the off-white jerseys, with the little tiny letters on the back. And baseball at the moment, is not prepared to do anything about it. Well, yeah, because recently, and love Greg, but Rob Manfred did say that he thinks the players will grow to love it. I don't think that that's going to happen. I think that you have some players who obviously work with Nike and they're being very PC about this. But then at the other end of this, you have a lot of other players who've been vocal, like Miles Michaelis, talking about how see-through they are. We we discussed this yesterday about how he brought up the lettering and how it's hard to see it. And he's wondering about how that will be for fans. There's a lot of issues with these uniforms and they just look bad. That's so the biggest issue. It was it was designed for breathability, mm-hmm. and that's not working. And number one, I think that you're trying to make this as comfortable as you can for players, and they're not comfortable whatsoever. Greg said they're going to listen to fans. Are they? MLB has done nothing no. at this point. <laughs> and you have to wonder, does MLB even care at this point? Um, the other part that I these guys I feel terrible for, you imagine being a clubhouse attendant right now? Oh, man. And all the players are coming up and, and not blaming you, but saying, come on, where's the jersey? I, you know, we should be doing this. We should be doing that. And they just got to shrug and go, what do you want from me? It's not my yeah, problem. Right. You know, it's kind of like Goodfellow. What do you want from me? Yeah. And when you go from being specifically measured, if you're Miles Michaelis and you're 6'5 and 230 pounds and they take the measurements of a guy who's 6'2 and 190 and you got to wear the 6'2 190-pound guy, guy's pants, it, it's ridiculous. <laughs> and I think one of the points here is, oh my God. and this was brought up in the Athletic article too, is historically, all of us that have bought from Fanatics, they make crap. <laughs> the, the stuff that they make is junk. I, I won't buy from it. 
uh, anytime I'm going to buy stuff, I'm either going to go to the Cardinal Team Store or go to Macy's or go to Rally House. I'm not going to buy anything sight unseen from Fanatics because everything I've ever gotten from them is crap. And that's what I was going to say is even prior to this, has anybody had a good experience with Fanatics? I'm being dead serious because I've also bought something from them before and it was not a great online shopping mm-hmm. experience. And then when it came in, it did not match the quality I was expecting. So maybe someone can text in and say, yeah, I had a great experience with Fanatics. Oh, and by the way, hockey fans, you should be a little bit worried yep. because Fanatics is right around the corner for you too. Next season, they're going to be making the official NHL jerseys. Isn't it the most important thing, though, to make it comfortable for players? Yes. Yes. I mean, that's number one. And then you listen to your fans, number two. And if they don't like it, then change it. And if you have been watching on an HD big screen for many years or have the uh, the fortune that good fortune that we have to be able to see and feel these jerseys, they were beautiful. The other jerseys were beautiful. And these really are. <laughs> They're bad. Here, here's the thing about Fanatics that I know from buying uh, not, not a lot, but a, a few things from them. Their jerseys are terrible. Their t-shirts and their other and like their hoodies and some of the other memorabilia they put out, it's actually pretty fi- fine quality. If you don't want it for more than six months, yeah, I haven't had I haven't had any issues with it falling apart. Like that's yeah. like the, the, I've got like two or three t-shirts and a couple hoodies that I've gifted and, and have myself, and those ones are holding up pretty well. Mm. But I do know people who've gotten the jerseys and it's consistently pretty low quality comparatively the stanley cup stuff that fanatics turned out was terrible Mm -hmm. i would say this too though randy is that we're in st louis and we take that uniform and the birds on the bat and the names Mm -hmm. and everything looking right we take it seriously i would imagine other markets other baseball markets are kind of like yeah whatever the fan base this is a big deal to fans here in st louis what it's like in new york with the yankees absolutely yeah yeah it's really bad so you're right though some Markets don't care you know, because they've had a million different spring training jerseys that they've been wearing in June for years. Astros people care. They've had nine million different jerseys. Cleveland, no. They got a new name, a new logo. But there are some where it's timeless. Yankees, Dodgers, Cardinals, where you just should never have messed with it. But I think even the casual baseball fan notices a difference. I think the quality is that poor that you notice something's off about the yeah. uniform immediately. Yeah. By the way, I'd rather have no names at all on the jerseys in these little tiny letters. <laughs> Think so? I, I would. That's my personal opinion. Yeah. It looks weird. It doesn't look right. No. Looks odd. It looks off. Even some of the names look like they're not lined up mm-hmm. symmetrically with the number. Yeah. Thank goodness Jason Simon Tachi and Jason Isringhausen aren't playing now. You know, <laughs> How go, long their names what? are. Yeah. Like Salta <laughs> Lamachia. Exactly. Have you seen those with the players with the really long names? Yeah. It looks it's so really weird. Bad. There's one with Goldie that looks really bad. Uh, so anyway, they, but uh, to calm everybody down, they aren't doing a damn thing about it. Forget <laughs> about it. So just don't even worry about exactly. it. Exactly. Does MLB care? No. And to your point, Brooke, Rob Manford came out and said, oh, we'll get it fixed. Oh, really? Yep. And it's too late at this point to get it ready for opening day. Can't happen. So yep. this is what you're going to have to live with. Opening day for the Cardinals, go retro. Wear your Albert or Wayno, <laughs> Carpenter. <laughs> go retro. Yeah, go retro. Don't, don't buy anything new. Just go retro and wear your, your older stuff. That's Brooke. That's Dan. I'm Randy. Matthew is here. Coming up, Robert Thomas joins us here on 101 ESPN. It's time for a DraftKings at Casino Queen Redbird report on 101 ESPN. 
Hey everyone, it's Brooke for your Redbird Report. Kyle Gibson with his first start of the spring, and he got a little roughed up on the mound. He used 41 pitches to get through two innings, allowing three runs on three hits. The Nationals went on to beat the Cardinals 3-1. For those who like to keep track of the long ball during spring ball, according to John Denton of MLB.com, the Cardinals are currently the only team in the majors who haven't hit a home run yet. Maybe that changes today with your Redbirds facing the Mets at 12.05 with Matthew Libertor on the mound. The game will be on Bally Sports Midwest. The Redbird Report is presented by DraftKings at Casino Queen. Play, stay, dine at DraftKings at Casino Queen. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Score! Getting you inside the Blues locker room. Time now for Blues forward Robert Thomas on the opening drive. Driven by Pure Performance, the only stop for all your aftermarket vehicle needs. After their Canada trip, they take on the Minnesota Wild tomorrow at 5 o'clock at Enterprise Center, 4 o'clock pregame here on 101 ESPN. Brooke Grimsley, Dan McLaughlin, Randy Carricker, and Robert Thomas joins us now, as he does every week here on the opening drive. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Good, guys. How you doing? Good. Have you paid any attention at all to the baseball jerseys that are being made by <laughs> Fanatics? <laughs> I, I haven't seen too much, but I did see uh, a couple uh, posts on X or Twitter or whatever it is. Uh, about them, them looking so different, so I have seen it, yeah. Yeah, and they look different, and they, according to the players, they feel different. Are you aware that next year the NHL is going to have jerseys that are made by Fanatics? You're going to be wearing jerseys made by Fanatics. Did you know that, and how do you feel about it? Yeah, I did uh, I did know that. and I mean, obviously, you won't I won't be able to tell how I feel about it until I, I see the jerseys, but uh, I hope they're uh, you know pretty similar to the ones we got on now. For for players, does it really matter for the jerseys? Do you notice any big changes? Um, not really, to be honest. I feel like all the jerseys I've worn are pretty similar. Um, I don't think there's really been much change over the years. So, um, yeah, I, I don't really notice too much of a difference. I just want to see big giant letters that say Thomas. I don't want to see one inch tall letters that say Thomas on the back. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I've seen them. They look a little goofy. Well, Robert, what did you think of the performance the other night against the Oilers? I thought it was a hard fought game, and of course, you guys came away with a point. But what was the feeling about the overall effort from the team in that game? Yeah, uh, obviously, a really good team over there, and um, we were on a really tough back to back coming in from Winnipeg. Uh, those games are, are really hard to to kind of get going, and uh, especially against a fast team like like Edmonton. So, uh, really happy with the way we way we played, and um, yeah, it was you know anyone's game coming down the you know in that third period. So, um, you know we're, we're happy to be in those games, especially with the circumstances. And would have been nice to get the two points, but um, you know we we're we we're in it right to the end. Robert, what's it like playing with Pavel Buchnevich right now? Seven goals in his last seven games. He's been one of the hottest players on the team. But what's it like playing with him? Yeah, it's been good. Um, you know, our line's been getting a lot of chances to score, and um, you know that's something we need to continue doing. And uh, right now, he's finding the back of the net, so uh, it's, uh, it's all working out well. 
Hey, Robert, we didn't get an opportunity. This is our first opportunity this week to talk. And you, if you're not the best player on the Blues, you're one of the two or three best. And I'm sure since you started playing, you've been one of the two or three best, even on national teams. So uh, I, I want to go back to last Saturday simply because we haven't had a chance to talk about it. Has that a, ever happened to you? And what are you thinking in the third period on Saturday in Detroit? Yeah, uh, I mean, it. you know, as a, as a leader, you got to be accountable. And, um, you know, for me, it always, it always should start with, on that responsibility and uh, I accept it uh, I know I need to be a lot better and um, yeah I felt like I had a good response from it uh, you know the last two games and um, that's that's pretty much it I think uh, you know you, you can't have games like that and you got to be be able to accept it you know respond the right way did that hurt did it did it hurt you yeah uh, I mean it's frustrating it's embarrassing um, you don't ever want to have that happen to you. Um, I think it's something that, you know, me and Banny had talked about for, for a little bit, um, you know, about sentence and that has to start with me. What was that conversation like with Drew Bannister? Because that's one thing that he did mention is that he will take away ice time sometimes from players to make a certain point. But he also mentioned that he would have conversations one-on-one on players. What does that mean to you to be able to have that discussion with him? Yeah, uh, I mean, we talked about it for a while. So um, I think it's something that, uh, you know, for him to get his messages across, he has to do it right and be consistent with it. And um, that's pretty much the conversation that uh, we had. How about uh, going head-to-head with Connor McDavid? You, you have to do it a few times a year, and you're going to be matched up with him a lot of times on the ice. What's it like going against Connor McDavid? Yeah, um, it's, it's tough. He's uh, he's obviously the best player in the world right now, and uh, you know he's fast, he's dynamic, and um, he's, he's tough to contain. So uh, it's always a fun challenge going against him. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's hard, that's for sure. Hey, Robert, uh, I was listening to, to Joey Vitale on the show, uh, on the afternoon show yesterday, and he was talking about how much more dangerous you are because you're scoring goals. And now people have to defend your shot in addition to defending your great passing. Have you recognized, and if so, how, have things opened up for your game since you are shooting more? Uh, a little bit. I think it's just more a mindset thing for me. Um you know, being in the right areas and, and not being afraid to shoot, uh, I think, is something that, or not always looking to pass, is something that I've adopted this year. And um, I think the not much has kind of changed in that regard where, uh, you know, people are thinking pass all the time. So, um, but it's it's been a nice changeup. I think it keeps goalies a little bit more honest and, and staying in, in front of me instead of uh, always cheat for the pass. Okay, I, I got to ask you a very serious question here. Uh, this morning, Brooke brought in these Reese's. Is it fast break bars? No, take five. Take, take five. Reese's to take five. Number one, is Robert Thomas so healthy now that he doesn't eat a candy bar now and then? <laughs> uh, I actually haven't had candy bar in a while. Um, I don't even know what a Reese's take five is. Oh my mm. gosh, Robert, you are absolutely missing out. This is one of my top five candies. During our Halloween candy draft, it was actually controversial that I took this candy. Would you like to describe it, Randy? Because you have it right in front of you. Yeah, it, it's basically a Reese's with peanuts and pretzels. So it adds a little bit of crunch. Caramel. Uh, and it's got some caramel, too. So it adds a little bit of crunch. And I, rather than just have the soft Reese's peanut butter cup, which is great, it's got a little <laughs> crunch. And I always like to have a, a dessert thing with a little bit of crunch in it, Robert. 
Yeah, I'm good on that one. That doesn't seem seem like it's up my alley. Oh. Uh, I think if I if I am going for a chocolate bar, I think I'm a, a cookies and cream kind of guy. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. And by the way, uh, we admire your restraint in not eating a candy bar in a long time. We're making up for that here in this studio. <laughs> Uh, it's funny. So, hey, Robert, have a great day. Have a great game tomorrow. And then I, we know you've got a, a long trip coming up. Enjoy that. And let's see if we can get the Blues back into this playoff hunt. Yep. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Robert. Take care. Uh, Robert Thomas with us on 101 ESPN. Has Hasn't it? had a candy bar in a long time. That's the lead. That's the lead of the whole interview. So what, is, what does he eat is my question. <laughs> now, didn't, didn't JR do a, uh, a piece about how his mother makes the best chocolate chip cookies yes. uh-huh. in the league? Mm-hmm. Maybe in the world? Yeah. Okay. So he takes advantage of those. By That's the way, a lot of self-control. The Blues, after last night's Nashville and Kings wins, they're now seven points out of a yeah. playoff spot. So it's going to be tough. They got the game, as Randy mentioned, a lot of games on the road coming up, but one at home, and that's Minnesota. And they, they're going to have to start winning a lot of games to get back in this thing. Yeah. So one of the great things that happened with the Rams in their last seven or eight years in St. Louis was that uh, Steve Savard and DeMarco Farr were a great broadcast team. And Sevy, as we all know, was and is extraordinarily healthy. And like Robert, didn't eat candy bars. And Dan, you've been on a million charters. And what they do on charters is you you get on these sports charters and they've got a big giant basket of king-sized candy bars, Reese's, Snickers, everything. And one time, DeMarco made a fat bet with Sevy during a game that if something happened and Sevy lost, he would have to eat a Snickers bar. And Sevy took the bet. And he lost. So they get on the plane. DeMarco grabs him the Snickers bar. They sit down right next to each other, seat in between them. Sevy takes one bite of a Snickers bar and apparently was turning green, literally. Really? Because he hadn't had one, and he was such a healthy guy. And uh, apparently he was just miserable for the entire flight home. Didn't even finish it. Just had the one bite and apparently was miserable for the entire flight home, I think from Seattle. Did you put on a show on those charters? You were on some of those charters. <laughs> you know it. Yeah, I bet. I, I, I was, uh, yeah, well, that's, I, I was saying I don't want this to go. I grew up in an era, Dan, where my mom said me to me when I didn't clean off my plate, uh, there's kids in Africa that are starving. <laughs> yeah. So, so we all heard that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes. so here we've got, what, 50 or 60 burgers left over. There's kids in Africa that are starving. Of course. You have to do that. Now, aren't you jealous of the athletes, though, where they can eat whatever they want and they still perform at such a high level? I think mm. of T.O. Didn't he used to eat, like, McDonald's before yeah. every game? There's that, a bunch that was, of guys that, that have was, done uh, that. Chad Johnson was oh, one who was Chad famous Johnson. for that. Oh, okay. I was thinking it was somebody yeah. else No, like T.O. did that. sit-ups in his driveway. I think T.O. was one of the crazy people who was like, I'm eating rice and chicken three times, like, Seven um, out of my eight meals of the day. I want to be. I want to be like the other. They clearly can't, can't eat everything. The man isn't eating candy bars, but maybe he's just like you said. Maybe he's just substituting his candy bar diet with chocolate chip cookies from his mother, which go. would be Never a pretty know. good trade. Big it's about balance. It is. <laughs> my, my balance rule. <laughs> play, play for the tie, Randy. <laughs> play for the tie. Coming up, we've got the fight. Do we need a fighter today, Matthew? Yeah. Okay, well, then you can text in 314-399-9646, 314-399-YO-HO, your name and the word fight, and maybe Matthew will pick you to fight me next here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome back to the Opening Drive. Brooke, Randy, and Dan here. And it is time to the fight. What happened? I don't know. I, 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 
I have no idea what happened there. Yeah, let's 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 uh, let's uh, three, two, one. There oh, it is. There we go. My apologies, everyone. <laughs> God. Okay. What am I doing? Welcome back to the opening drive <laughs> 2.0. Now, okay, now, now we can do the fight because Good job, Brooke. because we all know that you actually can't do the fight just unless adjust that on intro the fly. Mu- music comes in, right, Dan? <laughs> Absolutely. As, as pro as I can try to be. We welcome in our fighter today, Joe. Joe, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm average Joe. There you go. You're average anything Joe. but average Joe. Don't you say that about yourself. You're going to take on Randy. You're going to get the puck deep, and you're going to play hard. <laughs> okay, well, I'm, I'm ready for it. There Let's do you go. it. All right, question number one, Joe. Which forward was acquired in addition to a first-round pick in the Ryan Reeves trade? Is it Kyle Brodziak, Steve Ott, or Oscar Sunquist? Uh, I'm going to say Oscar. Is that your final answer, Joe? That's my final guess, yes. Okay, number two, only one player played more than 90 games in the same outfield position for the Cardinals last year. Who was it? Was it Lars Newpar? Was it Walker? Was it Edmund? Oh, wow. Lars hurt. All over the place. So I'm, I'm going to say Walker. All right, let's go to question three. Before his Super Bowl run with the Panthers and final season with the Rams, which NFC squad did Stephen Davis tally three straight 13,000-plus seasons with? Was it the Cowboys, the Redskins, or the Eagles? Oh, boy. Um, let's... I said Eagles... Is that Sorry. your final answer, Joe? Do you go with the uh, Eagles? Uh, yeah, that was one of my options, wasn't it? Correct. 1,300. Oh. Sorry, Joe. I I should say, this has been a Friday for the fight. Has it not, Dan? It's been I, interesting. I added an extra zero. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Okay, so off to question four. Uh, which year did the Washington Bullets change their name to the Wizards? Was it 1977, 1987, or 1997? Wow. Um, I'm going to say You're cutting out a little bit. Did you say 1997? Yeah, 1997. All right, let's bring in Randy. He's standing outside the studio. He makes sure that this is always done in a fair fashion. Good job, Joe. I think uh, you're going to give Randy a run for his money, so well done. Okay, well, I'll be shocked. <laughs> you wouldn't be the only one that appears on the fight that gets shocked that Randy beats him. So don't worry about that. You will not be in a select group, that's for sure. Randy is walking in the studio. He's enjoyed some grapes. He's putting them down, and now the headphones are on. Say good morning to Joe, Randall. Hey, Joe. Good morning. How you doing? Pretty good, Randy. Thanks for letting me listen, and thanks for letting me play. <laughs> We're thrilled that you're listening and thrilled that you're playing. Thank you very much. Hey, congratulations on your uh, induction. Oh, yes. thank you. I appreciate that very much. Thanks. All right, ready? You're ready for question number one. By the way, everything going swimmingly with the fight so far. We haven't had any mistakes, nothing Good. going on. Just <laughs> totally fine. Glad nothing to, to worry about. Okay. Anyways, question number one. Which Ford was acquired in addition to a first-round pick in the Ryan Reeves trade? Revo. Uh, that would have been um, the, the first-round ra- pick was... Um, that wound up being the the Russian guy. 
that didn't work out very well. Uh, the uh, forward taken in that draft would have been Oscar Savunkvist. Is that your or, final or answer, Sun, Randall? Sunkvist. Yeah, I'm going to go with Sonny. Okay. Only one player played more than 90 games in the same outfield position for the Cardinals last year. Who was it? Uh, logic would dictate that more than 90? Walker would seem to be the guy. I, I'm going to go with uh, my guy J-Dub in J-Dub. right field. Jordan Walker? Yes. Question three, please. Before a Super Bowl run with the Panthers and final season with the Rams, which NFC squad did Stephen Davis tally three straight 1,300-plus seasons with? Uh, Stephen Davis. Uh, Carolina Panthers? What was his? Le- where did he end up at the end? Okay, so he he played his last seasons here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was a Carolina Panther. Stephen Davis was. Uh, he was a good number forty-eight. He was a good Carolina Panther. That, can you repeat the question just so they make sure? That sure. Before a Super Bowl run with, with the, the Panthers, Panthers and final season with, with the, Rams, the Rams, which NFC squad did Stephen Davis tally three straight thirteen hundred plus seasons with? Okay, NFC squad thirteen hundred. So he played with somebody. I didn't even realize that he was with somebody before. The Panthers. Let me think about this then. I'll do the lifeline, Brooke. Okay. Cowboys, Redskins, or Eagles? Oh, he was a Washington Redskin. Do, 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 Final? Do, do. Final answer, yeah. Mm-hmm. Question four. Which year did the Washington Bullets change their name to the Wizards? Washington Bullets, Washington Wizards. Okay, so when Michael was there, he was a wizard. But when Wes Unseld was there, he was a bullet. He might have even been a Baltimore bullet for a while. I'm going to, and this I think was a product of uh, Gilbert Arenas. So I'm going to go with, uh, hmm, I think I'm going to go with uh, 1999. Just uh, pulling it out of there. Going to go with 1999. <laughs> Don't say pulling it out of somewhere. <laughs> no, I'm pulling it out of thin air. There we, there we go. go. <laughs> Matthew, what do we have? Well, we wouldn't be able to finish this week the way we've gone in the fight without going to another tiebreaker, as you both got the three correct here in the fight. So we'll go to our tiebreaker. Here are the rules. I'm going to read out the question. We're going to give Randy a moment to write down his answer. We will then have an audible answer from Joe, and then Randy will say his answer and show it on the Alliance team cameras. Joe, do you understand those rules? Yeah, bring it on. All right, Randy, do you have your paper ready? I do. I have Lindenwood paper. Oh, By the way, right. uh, Rick Zombo out as a Lindenwood hockey coach. What? Really? Oh, really? really? Yep. When did that happen? Uh, announcement yesterday, yeah. That's legitimately surprising. Yeah, man. surprising. He's doing a really good job with them over there. Yep. Uh, here's the type of your question. On Tuesday night, Max Struess hit one of the longest game-winning shots in NBA history, but he still fell short of the longest shot in NBA history. By feet, what is the longest shot for a game-winner in NBA history? For a game winner, yes. huh? Yes. And this is... Okay. Longest shot in NBA history for a game winner. Max Struess was close, but he didn't hit the record. Hmm. Okay. Uh, oh, man. Let's see. By the way, Jackson Burkett on his, uh, opened up one of his Sports Center updates the next day with that stat instead of the Blues score, and... People took it well. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, Randy Carricker has his answer. Joe, what is your answer, sir? 
I have no idea. I'm going to say 100 feet. All right. Joe answered 100 feet. Randy Carricker, what is your answer, sir? I said 72 feet. All right, I'm going to break out the calculator that Kerry Davis hates so very much ring and the figure bell. out the winner in this fight. Ring the bell. Okay, fine, Daniel. I'll just ring the bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. I'm sorry, Joe. Max Struess's shot was 60 feet, the longest ever, measured at 61 feet Ooh. in the NBA. The longest game-winning shot in NBA history was hit by Devontae Graham for the Charlotte Hornets just a few years ago, 61 feet. So Randy Carricker is your champion in the fight today, but Joe, that was done incredibly well as you made it a 3-3 tie before the tiebreaker. Good job today. Thanks. It was fun. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Joe. Let's go through the questions and answers. Which forward was acquired in addition to a first-round pick in the Ryan Reeves trade? It was Ryan Reeves and a second-rounder for Oscar Sundquist and a first-rounder. Only one player played more than 90 games in the same outfield position for the Cardinals last season. Lars Newbar played the most games in the outfield, but it was split across all three positions. Jordan Walker, though, played over 90 uh, games in right field for the uh, most consistent player in the Cardinals outfield last year. Before a Super Bowl run with the Panthers and final season with the Rams, it was, in fact, the Washington Redskins, and I had forgotten about this too, Randy, before I stumbled upon it yesterday. Thir- three straight 1,300 yard seasons, including leading the league in 1998 with 17 rushing touchdowns wow. for Stephen Davis uh, and uh, the Washington Redskins. And the Washington Bullets changed their name in 1997 mm, following close. gun violence across Washington, D.C. The uh, owner did not like that their team name was associated with the political issues in Washington, D.C. at the time, and that's why they changed their name before the 1997 season. 3-3-3 took us to our tiebreaker and Randy Carricker, the champion in today's fight. Joe, thank you so much for joining the fight and joining the show today. Okay, thanks a lot. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Joe. Good to have you with us. He didn't have a lot of confidence coming in, but boy, we see a, a spry fighter mm-hmm. and very nice man, even though he lost. Uh, but I thought he took it with a grain of salt. And a strong competitor. Absolutely. Yes. Three out of four yeah. mm-hmm. took you to the tiebreaker. Well done, Joe. Not well so done. average, Joe. No, not so. He no. said he was an average Joe, and I said, no chance. You're not average. Not average. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, who runs college football? We know, and we're going to tell you next on 101 ESPN. <laughs> You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. College football is working on a new 14-team playoff rather than a 12-team playoff. And the new proposal, I don't know who came up with this proposal, but it calls for the (laughs) SEC and the Big Ten to each get at least three teams every single year. And the two first-round buys in a 14-team playoff, one to the SEC, one to the Big Ten. Doesn't matter how good Florida State is that year if they go undefeated. Doesn't matter how good Clemson is. Doesn't matter how good Oklahoma State is. Or Baylor, if you have multiple two-loss teams in the SEC and Baylor and Florida State both go undefeated, the buys would still go to the SEC and the Big Ten. Who runs college football these days? Who could come up with a plan like this? <laughs> it's, it's the Big Ten and the SEC coming together. Oh, come on, guys. Okay. You knew that this was going to happen anyways when you expanded the playoff format. Are you at all surprised? Because the SEC and Big Ten, they know their worth. They know that they get the majority of the viewership, which is really what matters here when we're talking about money. They get all of the attention. They get the big names. They get the big players. You knew this is what what they were going to ask for. Why have championship games in your conference? What's the point? Right. 
I mean, that's something to consider. Uh, it's a money grab, certainly, for the SEC and the Big Ten. Greg Sankey and uh, Tony Petiti are, are doing this. They're behind the scenes making sure that this happens. I do wonder um, if more players stay, if, if this would push, and I don't know the answer to this, if it would push the season to a further point because of this, or do you shorten the season a little bit because the transfer portal comes into this and also guys that are headed to the National Football League, do they want to stay? Does Marvin Harrison play in this and risk injury? I would hope that for the opportunity to win a national championship rather than a quote-unquote meaningless bowl game where you don't have a chance to win a national championship, I would hope that players would compete, want to compete for a championship. I wonder, though, when when do you think this thing ends? So at one point of, no, I mean like when? The season? Yeah. Yeah. I think you can do it now because you've got a month off right now between the um, between the end of the regular season and yeah. the, right, it's basically December eighth and January eighth. Mm-hmm. Between and now it's changed New Year's Day, so three weeks between the the current playoff. So to me, the way to do this is to start your playoff in the the first second weekend. Second week. Let's yeah. say let's say you've got December eighth. So you go from twelve to six on December 8th. December 15th, you've got eight because of the two bye teams. You go to eight to four on December 15th. December 22nd, you would go to four, four to two, and then January 8th, you'd play your championship game. That's you'd where two weeks off. Yeah, I was thinking you had to move it up. Some yeah. way, somehow, you got to move it up to, like you said, December 8th. Yeah, and you, you don't need two buys. And have everybody start Labor Day weekend. I think you can get that accomplished without much difficulty but to your point dan i the next question i have is how do you get the players to fully buy into this well to randy's point i think if there's still hope for a national championship then i think that they do it i also could see a pushback by certain people within college football you would be playing what would the national championship how many games would you have to play to win not in the tournament of a 14 team playoff but including your regular season and including your national championship, I mean, you're getting close to 16, 16 seven, games. Yeah, mm-hmm. 16 ga- You're asking your college athletes to do an awful lot. That's what I'm saying. And even if you look at this current format right now, if you are like basically the number five seed or lower, you're going to have to win four straight games to get to that point. I can see a lot of players, What we've seen this happen already, where they're saying, okay, maybe I might be looking at my NFL future or I'm going to be leaving this university. I don't want to play anymore. Do you worry about the players fully all buying into wanting to do this? Because I think that means that a players association of some sort, union, is going to be right around the corner with this. What if every player that uh, plays in the game and wins gets a million dollars in the championship game and everybody, the, every player that plays in the, the championship game and loses gets a half a million? There you go. Solve it with money. It's a money grab anyway. Yeah. What would you think, though, if you're the commissioner of the Big 12 and the ACC and you're only getting two, SEC Big 10 is getting three? I, I mean, wouldn't that frustrate you? Look at this year. How, how out of the realm of possibility is it that Florida State, Clemson, and North Carolina. North Carolina had a really good year. How how out of the realm of possibility is it that those three teams could each be one-loss teams and you would have a one-loss team and a couple of two-loss teams in the SEC? 100%. And that doesn't make it fair for the other conferences. No. And, and so if I'm running those conferences, I'm upset. I'm thinking that this is not fair to my guys. This is not fair to my conference. 
Now, would I rather three see three SEC and three Big Ten? Yeah. yeah. As a fan. As yeah. a fan, I would, but this is a money grab by both those conferences. Yeah. Florida Didn't, State's already ticked off. Well, yeah. that's what I was going to say. Didn't the committee show you just here recently how they actually feel about all this? It's an entertainment business, and that's how they view it at the end of the day. No well, doubt. And see, that it doesn't matter what's in writing, Brooke. That's yes. a great point. It doesn't matter what the, the, the rules say. The rules, even if they aren't written, the rules are going to be the rules. And there won't be a year with a 14-team playoff where we don't see the Big Ten and the SEC with buys and three teams from each conference, at least in the tournament. As a fan, generally speaking, I like to see it expanded. Any way you want yeah, to expand it, more games, I'm in. 32. I like. Hey, if Division Two and Division Three can do a 32-team tournament, why yes. can't Division One? That's what I don't understand. Just copy what they're doing. Yeah. Just, why not just do it that way? It's fantastic. Yeah, it You're works. Uh, Danny Mac has to leave early today. Big day in the McLaughlin family. Yeah, we got a big day with my daughter, so I appreciate you guys uh, carrying the load here in the final hour without me, and I'm sure a lot of fans out there will say, thank God he's leaving. No, no. we won't. So I will see you guys next week. Have a great weekend, sir. Thank you. You too. Danny Mac with us, as he always is, on 101 ESPN. Coming up, our Rush Hour Reset coming your way on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Sports stories of the day on the opening drive with a rush hour reset. Down in Florida today, the Cardinals will pitch Matthew Libertor against the Mets and Luis Severino. That's a noon start, St. Louis time, as the Cardinals try to bounce back from a 3-1 loss yesterday to the Washington National. I don't know if they really need to bounce back. I mean, it was, it was a spring training loss. You don't really do. 2-4-1, Randy. Randy, they haven't hit a home oh, run. No, oh, no. Randy, you're saying that we shouldn't really, really look into what's going on here. No. Here's the thing. Usually in baseball, you're going to win 60 and you're going to lose 60. Either way. Mm. So it's the other 40 that count. In spring training, you're usually going to win 10 and lose 10. It's the other 10 that count. So yesterday was just one of the 10 they're going to lose. It happens. <laughs> uh, Nationals beat the Cardinals 3-1. Mets today. We have Blues hockey tomorrow at 4 here on 101 ESPN. 4 o'clock pregame and a 5 o'clock faceoff for the Blues in the Wild at Enterprise Center. And you've got a college basketball triple header. You've got number 13 Illinois against Wisconsin. Billikens play Rhode Island and Ole Miss against Mizzou. City in action tomorrow as well. They play New York City FC at at 7.30, and we're going to talk to Lindsay Eversmeyer, the uh, game day host uh, and analyst of St. Louis City SC, coming up in just a few minutes. But right now, they said, what? We're doing a very early, they said what. And now, I don't have sound, because usually, typically, I have sound clips for you guys. But with this one, Shohei Otani, he did his press conference in Japanese, so... I was going to spare everybody from that of me trying to really poorly translate that press conference. So here's the rundown, though. Shohei Otani, as we all know, is now the new face of Major League Baseball. But now he's also an international man of mystery, Mm. Randy, because he shocked literally everyone, I believe, this week that he announced via Instagram that he is a married man. He is off the market right now. And he had a press conference yesterday where he really didn't reveal much more, just saying that she is a Japanese woman Mm -hmm. and that he's known her for maybe three to four years. And she's just a normal Japanese woman. And that's about it that we know about this mystery woman that Shohei Otani is married to. Have they talked on the phone a lot? Have they fallen asleep with their phones, (laughs) their phone line open? Is that a good indicator of true love, Randy? Well, it it was for Manti Teo. Oh, 
Uh, oh. And, and Lene Kakua. That was true love. Randy, are you trying to say here that maybe Shohei Otani's wife isn't real? Maybe Shohei is a catfish. Oh, no. There's no way. I don't know, Brooke. He claims that she's in Arizona with him, but we haven't seen her. He says, I've known her for three or four years. Yeah, he, three to four years. He, normal three. Japanese. Emphasis okay. on the normal Japanese woman. Okay. I'm not buying it. Really? No, I'm not buying that she's real. I want to know who she is. How, how are you able to keep this such a secret? A bigger secret than the name of Decoy. Uh, that's true. And that was hard to get out of him. It so was. he is. He, he truly is an international man of mystery at this point. I wonder what her name is. Mm, I don't know. Hmm. We don't even have any indicators of what she would look like, what maybe she sounds like, how tall is she. Uh, she's a normal she Japanese woman, according to, to Shohei. Just a, a normal, normal Japanese, Japanese woman. woman. Mm-hmm. Also, for another, they said what? How about some funny NFL Combine moments? So I'm starting to understand why maybe some players have some hesitation of getting too involved in the NFL Combine because you never know what the story will be or you might become the story. So yesterday, two players with some really interesting quotes during their media sessions, and they were asked, what is something you don't believe in? And Texas Tech's Tyler Owens, he says that he doesn't really believe in space or other planets and claims that flat earthers have valid points. What, do we know what position this young man plays? Hmm. Let's see. Is he a defender? Because it would be really nice to not have Defensive to face back. a... back. Okay. Ne- really nice to not have to face a downhill runner. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> also, Illinois' Tip Ryman was also asked the same question, and he theorized that birds maybe aren't real, saying, <laughs> have you ever seen a baby pigeon? How do we know that power lines aren't pigeon recharging stations? Uh, does he not understand the concept of a bird cage, of a parrot, <laughs> of a cockatiel? I mean, come on, man. What are you teaching people at Illinois, Carrie? Oh, no. <laughs> Don't call out CD with this one. Come he doesn't on. believe birds are real? Well, that's the thing. Birds, yeah, birds are all uh, robots sent out by the government to spy on us. What about the one that Randy Johnson hit with a pitch? <laughs> oh. And it blew up. And feathers it, were all over the place. I will say, Wait, that, that, that almost didn't look real, if I'm going to be honest with you. It looked like something straight out of like a cartoon. Oh, it, it did. I, I, I wish that guy were in my neighborhood and I could show him the geese that exist. You don't think that the geese are a little suspicious, Randy? They poop all over the place. Mm. They are suspicious. But they're always watching you. They are. But uh, they're they're real. There's no I doubt mean, about it. Let's not forget, Randy. My dog I mean, eats the poop. How many times did you... How, <laughs> you had to have at some point... While entering, interviewing William Hayes, former defensive end mm-hmm, for the St. Louis yeah. Rams, asked him one of the questions about his mermaid or dinosaur or whatever well, have you about his, his mythology or beliefs. Yeah, dinosaurs didn't exist, but mermaids do. Yes, I believe that was William yeah, that Hayes. That was always a fun Follow-up conversation. Follow-up question for you. What do you believe in more, Shohei Otani's wife being real or that birds aren't real? What do you believe more? I believe that uh, bir- that. Power lines are bird recharging stations. Oh, Randy, come on. Yeah, yeah. Shohei Otani's wife Google, is real. Did you Google the theory? Because I actually think you may have just like hit one of their like biggest like talking points. I just got it from the guy. So <laughs> any other thing, how can you not believe in planets? The planets thing is the one that I think is really throwing me off here. Because there are a lot of people who are flat earthers out there. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to figure out why. And I have listened to some of those conspiracy theories, not because I want to believe it any way, because I'm trying to understand their way of thinking. And I just don't get it. Why would you not believe that space is real and that planets are real? 
and that somehow this is just flat. But he, he needs on. to just they start believe, driving. They believe space is real. He said he doesn't believe space. He doesn't yeah. believe space is real. He doesn't believe in space or other planets, and claims flat earthers have valid points. I didn't. I, I didn't think that's what flat earthers believe. Well, I this think one this does. Is, I think this is what he believes. How do you get to there's no... Sp- <laughs> well, it's yeah. kind of like how people. Huh. some people believe that the moon landing wasn't real. Have you Have you heard people least, just yeah. say that? Yeah. I can see that one. But what really? about, like, what's yeah. this guy think like, he sees when he looks up at the stars at night? That it's all fake, probably. It's like a Truman show. Yeah. Oh. I can, okay. I can understand okay. why some people think the moon landing is fake. Like, I don't think so. It's in the 60s. We were in a propaganda war. Like, there's a lot of weird things about it. I mean, I don't believe it. Sometimes but it'll saying, get you punched. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Aldrin does not take kindly to that kind of slander. <laughs> I'm just it's saying. It's wild. It is. So maybe they are just doing a little bit of trolling here. But at the same time, hilarious. I just wonder in those, I would love to be a fly on the wall for the actual interview sessions because that was just media sessions. So, of course, yeah. media members are trying to get just interesting stories and reactions out of you. Wouldn't you love to know the actual questions that the teams ask these players in the NFL combine? Oh, man, yeah. And the Giants got their list out one time. Uh, it, it was leaked. And the, the one we referred to the other day that Peter King had, do you enjoy beating animals, was one of the questions that the Giants oh asked. God. And the Giants also asked if you uh, look at your excrement before you flush it down the toilet. No, they didn't. They Are you did serious? A, yeah, what what was, would you? Okay, okay. What would you even learn from that question? I don't know. I don't know. It, if you look at it, yeah. The Giants huh. did some weird stuff. I've heard with some Major League Baseball players that some teams have asked them in interview processes what they if they had a high school girlfriend, what she looked mm-hmm. like. I think that that's actually one that happens a lot in sports in general. Yeah. And why would that be, Randy? Why do they care what your girlfriend looks like or wife? Well, it's a confidence issue, Brooke. That's uh, that's what uh, they, they used to say is that if if his girlfriend is a 10, then he's a really confident guy. Mm. Is was it one of the Oklahoma State wide receivers who got asked about his uh, black his mother's yes. his mother's job? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I know you got millions of dollars on the line, but how does somebody know? How does everyone walk out there without there being an altercation of some kind? It's like you just said, "What about my mom?" I'm sorry. I'm yeah. sorry. Hold on a second. It's, Can I step outside in the hallway with this yeah. scout right now? I got a question to ask him. Do you think yeah. that there's like a sports psychologist involved with making these questions, yes. or just teams saying we think that this will work and we'll get a really good reaction out of these players to evaluate them? Yeah, to see uh, what sort of a. Uh temper they have, maybe? Mm. I don't know. It's really weird. All right, uh, that is today's Rush Hour Reset on 101 ESPN. Coming up, your City SC Match Day analyst, Lindsay Eversmeyer, joins us next as City gets ready to play tomorrow night. She will be here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Brooke Grimsley, Randy Carricker, great to have you with us on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. About 20 years ago, I had the great good fortune to interview the first woman to ever play in a men's pro soccer league. Lindsay Kennedy, now Lindsay Eversmeyer, has moved on from playing professionally and is now the men's soccer coach at SWIC. She is the match day analyst at St. Louis City SC. She is the Central Region Associate Commissioner at Women's Premier Soccer League. And uh, she is with us now on the Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Lindsay, good morning. Thank you very much for joining us to talk about City. What's going on? 
Uh, not much. How are you? I'm doing great. And congratulations on your induction a couple of weeks ago, several weeks ago, into the St. Louis Sports Hall of Fame. Very well deserved. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm looking forward to um, someone else being uh, inducted in the near future. That's well-deserving uh, as well. Thank you, Lindsay. I, I appreciate, that, appreciate that very much. Okay, based upon what we've seen here in the first three city matches, what would you like to see tomorrow against NYC that we haven't seen yet? Well, I feel like we need to see a little bit more offense, you know. Um, we've had some opportunities. We weren't able to finish them, but um, you know, it's, I think people are freaking out already so early into the season are like, oh my gosh, we lost the first season in MLS. It's going to be different and, um, than last year, but you know, it takes some time. We have new personnel in there. So we just kind of need to work out a little bit of kinks and, and especially coming off, um, you know, we have some injuries that we have that we're, that we're kind of milking right now. We got to figure out how to to get those guys back healthy so they can contribute. But, you know, I want to see a little bit more offense. I want to see those goals that we, you know, that we had last year. That's what we're missing right now. Well, Lindsay, you were just talking about the injuries. And as we know, as you just mentioned there, various injuries and ailments, City SC center back position remains uncertain because of that. How does head coach Bradley Carnell navigate this challenge heading into Saturday's match? Well, I mean, you got to look to what the personnel is that you have on the bench coming off of it, you know, and you got to kind of have faith in them. And luckily he, they brought up, you know, Wetzel from city two. So that's a, a player in the back. And, you know, with all, well, we got Hebert out with a knee injury, which we don't know. We got Parker with a hamstring. Yarrow got knocked a couple of games ago um, in the last game. And he, you know, we don't know what, what his situation is, but uh, yeah, I mean, you got, you kind of, kind of rely on, on the personnel that you have on the bench and maybe your city two players to kind of look at, you know, who can we fill into those spots until we can get our, our main line healthy again. St. Louis City SC match day analyst at uh, City Park, Lindsay Eversmeyer with us on 101 ESPN. And Lindsay, City has a great year last year, and then much was made of what Kansas City did against St. Louis City SC in the playoffs in terms of reacting to City's scheme. Do you think that to to an extent, and I know City has changed their scheme a little bit, but has the league kind of caught up to what City was doing to have all that, that success last year? Well, I mean, it's also something that's hard to sustain. I mean, when you're doing high pressuring like that all season long, um, it's, it's almost hard to sustain it at times. And, and each, I think each playing style and each system of play um, has their upsides and their downsides. And it's just up to the coach from the other team to figure out how to counter those things. And you either have the personnel that is able to do that or you're, you, or you don't, you know, and city still has some pieces. And I think that their system that they're doing, can still work. They're just trying to work out the kinks. And as we saw last year, like you said, with Kansas city in the beginning, they did not have a very good start, but at the end they completely picked it up and were one of the best teams in the league. So I'm hoping that, you know, we work out those kinks at the beginning of the season. We can end up just like them in the end. There's a few players that we haven't seen in a match yet, Lindsay, including new left back pickup Nicholas Duyer. Do you think that Duyer is close to being ready? You know, I, I can't say one way or the other, to be honest with you. Um, that's, that's totally up to Coach Carnell. And, um, you know, he's he. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's just something where you're just going to have to wait and see. I, don't, I haven't been out to their training session, so I don't know what he's looking at in practice, but hopefully he can catch up to speed and we can use him, especially when we're kind of shorthanded in the back. Hey, Lindsay, from a, a coaching perspective, and you're, you're a great coach, uh, with, they've got Klaus and Adinaran up front. How do the, they complement each other? Do you think they're a good complementary pair, or would it be sensible to go to a one-striker formation at times? 
Well, I, I I like the two of them up there. I mean, when you got two guys of those size and those calibers running out of back line, I mean that's dangerous. If I was a bat, if I was you know a center back or any type of defender, I'd be like, man, this is. I got to watch what I do, and we've seen them. They both high pressure, and they've been able to pick off passes in the back. So I like the two of them up there because that gives us a little bit more offensive threat um, rather than a one system. But it all depends on who we're playing, you know, against and what the system they're playing is, you know, as well. So. Uh, tomorrow uh, against New York City SC, and it's our our second MLS game. We've had the two CONCACAF. But the, the atmosphere at these matches has remained incredible. As a lifelong St. Louis soccer person, what's this like for you as somebody in the stands or somebody to be the match day analyst? What's this uh, venture into MLS been like for Lindsay Eversmeyer? Oh, my gosh. And I, I told some people this story, so it, it, and it's, you know, I think it's like for the rest of us, the first day that we had our first home game and I was down on the field pregame, I stood there and I looked around at the stadium and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is really freaking happening. We've been wanting this for so long. And it was like, you know, and I'm not even a player. I'm like, I can't imagine what the players are thinking. And I'm just like, this is like a dream come true for St. Louis soccer. It's been something we've been wanting for so long. And we can, you could tell just by the atmosphere of the fans. I mean, they want this. They show up every game. We're selling out all the games. And that's because St. Louis is such a soccer city and they've been craving this for so long and now they're just all in. So the, I tell people who haven't been to a game, like the atmosphere is electric. If you haven't been, it's an experience you're never going to experience, you know, um, probably in a lifetime. So it's great. I love it. It, it is awesome. And uh, I want you to tell us about how your team is doing at SWIC. We're doing good. You know, this your is going to be um, – I just finished my second – my second year, um, we finished nine, six, and three on the in the regular season, and that was the first time we've had a winning record in about ten years. The guys, actually, I'm so proud of them. Even more proud of them what they're doing on the field. But off the field, they were the highest men's team out of, out of all of our um, men's sports programs with the highest team GPA. Which I was like, yes, I love this <laughs> for them because obviously, if you're not good off the field, you're not good on it. So um, yeah, I mean, it's it's doing really good and. You know, some people, I think, questioned how it would be for a female to coach men. And um, and I understand that. But at the same time, like it's been they've been great. Um, they've taken to me really well. They see me as this mother figure. So there's a lot of respect there. And um, it's it's I've for, formed a very special bond with them. And they I'm very fortunate. I have a lot of really just good kids, like good, good guys with good hearts and good intentions. And it's been great. Congratulations on that. Congratulations on all of your success. Great to hear your voice. And as the season unfolds, we'll have to do this again. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. All right, Lindsay, take care. Thank you. Uh, Lindsay Eversmeyer, she is the match day analyst at St. Louis City SC and uh, St. Louis City SC taking on New York City tomorrow, not the Red Bulls, but New York City tomorrow over at City Park. And you need to get down there early because of all the cool things that happens, happen at a city game. And by the way, it's going to be beautiful tomorrow. It'll be perfect soccer weather. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, we're going to talk to our buddy Joe Vitale. He is coming your way on the opening drive. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Whoa! This is The View from Vitaly. Brought to you by Scott Lee Heating Company. A proud Mitsubishi Electric Elite Contractor. Joe Vitale joins us as he does every Friday morning here on 101 ESPN. The Blues back from their Canada road trip. Joey V, why do you hate Canada? 
Well, why, why don't we talk about why I love Canada? It's a lot shorter of a list. <laughs> okay. oh. <laughs> well done. Well played. How you doing, man? I, I'm kidding, of course. I love our neighbors from the north. You know, it's just so doggone cold, man. I don't know. This it's March one. To me, to me, March one is the start of spring. It's the it's the date I look forward to every every year. Okay, this is the one and you know, of course, uh, being so warm the other day in St. Louis and so cold up there in Canada for the fellows. But all, all in all, uh, you know, that's just the way I look at it. It's another Canada road trip. You can cross off your calendar. I, I got a question for you, and I want you to be completely honest here. The trade deadline is coming up, and everybody in the locker room, not everybody, but many players in a locker room, dressing room, leading up to the trade deadline are concerned. And you, you say you're concerned about everybody else. Are you really concerned about everybody else, or are you only concerned about yourself as the trade deadline approaches? You're only concerned about one person. You're right. Exactly, Randy. No, it's, uh, no and I, I say that a, a bit facetiously. You are certainly concerned about yourself, but, you know, a, a player like Braden Shen – uh, he's not only concerned for him. I mean, this is a captain who's, you know, approaching his mid-30s by the time his contract's kind of slowly coming to an end. You know, he's won one cup. He wants to win again. You know what I mean? And, and you know, you look at those older players like the Nick Levies and uh, the Brandon Sods. I think as you get older, you become more and more aware and concerned about the direction of players around you and the team because you want to set yourself up in a good spot to either earn another contract like we saw with Robert Bortuzzo asking for a trade because he wanted to play more. Or, you know, just simply uh, win another championship as your years are kind of coming slowly to an end. You know, and then the flip side for a young player, if teams decide to sell, you know, it's a, it's a much better opportunity for you. Potentially, maybe you get bumped up to a top six role uh, after you lose some players. But it's definitely it's an anxious time. I mean, this is an anxious week we're heading into uh, for a lot of teams, for a lot of different reasons. And, you know, it's a, it's a weird sport where you you preach about being a family, you preach about being tight and together, uh, but there is this, this kind of dangling sword above your head at all times, and at any moment, uh, the person that manages you can could you know reinstate you and send you somewhere else, which is the unfortunate part of the business, uh, but at the end of the day, it is a business. You've been a part of a trade before in your playing career, right? Heard of it? Pavel Datsuk, Brooke. You know yeah. who that is? Yeah. Not a bad player. Not listen. <laughs> not, <laughs> not a not a terrible player in Pavel Dotsu, future Hall of Famer, straight up for Joey V, number fourteen from the Coyotes. Was there was there a lot of millions involved because the Coyotes needed to get out of the floor? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe. But my kids don't need to know that. My kids don't no. need to know that. That's, that's the only story that matters. Hey, yeah, you're right. This is a guy. Uh, borderline Hall of Famer, and you got traded for him. No, that's all we need to know. That's all we need to know. I'll, I'll never forget it. Uh, this wasn't a deadline deal. This was a this was a summer deal. Mm-hmm. When I was in the summertime, it was right around July one when when the draft was happening, and and I'm just watching ESPN. I think it was like some sort of tennis match, or maybe a golf. I don't even know what was I was watching, and it had NHL ticker, which it kind of caught my eye because on the bottom of the screen because. You know, it's, it's July or it's June, and, you know, you haven't seen a lot of NHL talk for a while. And I saw NHL come up, and, I'm you know, these these names and the discussions coming across the board. And all of a sudden, um, 
it said, you know, Arizona, Detroit trade. And I'm like, oh, Arizona, I play for Arizona. This will be interesting. <laughs> and it said, uh, Detroit, Pavel Dotsuk. Oh, Pavel Dotsuk, he's a pretty good player. Who, who, who did we get? <laughs> or or who, we, who, who we exchanging for the, the great Dotsuk? And then I saw a J, which I'm like, okay, my name starts with J. This is all happening in slow motion. It's all on the screen from right to left. I'm like, Joe, I don't know a lot of Joes on our team other than me. And it's Vitaly. I'm like, what? And I had to, like, remind it a couple times. And then, sure enough, Al Wall, my agent, called me back, called me within, like, a minute. And he's like, hey, Joe, how you doing? I'm like, hey, Al, I, just, I guess I just saw that I got traded for Powell. He's like, yeah. And he kind of went into the whole thing about it. And, again, it's, it's, it's a weird situation, It's you know, because – you you have you have your hockey world of course but you know as you get older and you have a wife and children and you know it's just this it's weird thing where you just all of a sudden have to pick up and get exchange to to go to a different city and little things like you know your kids got to leave school and say goodbye to their friends and it's a as much as it is a business it's hard not to make it personal because it it is so personal Joey, I, I talked to Chris Pronger about uh, his getting traded to Arizona one time for the same reasons that Datsuk did. But he told me, Prong said that he never heard from anybody in the Arizona front office. Even though he was a member of their team and was getting checks from them, he never talked to the people in their front office which because he was never going to play again. And uh, I guess they didn't feel they needed to talk to him. He didn't feel like he needed to talk to them. Isn't that amazing that you can be paying that somebody that much money, again, to get up to the salary floor and never discuss it with them? It, it, uh, Randy, it's funny, is the year I got hurt in Arizona, I didn't even know what was going on with Chris Pronger. It was our exit our exit uh, meeting day when the where season was over. We didn't make the playoffs. And it's at the end of the year physicals where they check in with the doctors and just, you know before you head into the summer. And I, I come into our trainer's room. Jason Service was our head trainer in Arizona at that, at that time. And you know Shane Doan and Keith Yandel were all there. And all of a sudden, Chris Pronger walks in, and I, I look at Shane. And I'm like, "What's Chris Pronger doing here?" He's like, "Oh, he's on our team." I'm like, "Really? I didn't even, I, I didn't even know that." And, and, and Chris basically sat down with Jason Service, and he basically just looked at Prongs and did a couple things. He goes, "So you're, you're not clear to play?" He goes, "Okay, sounds good." He signed a piece of paper, and he was out the door. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's it's, it's it's very strange. I'm not going to lie to you at, at all. Uh, but that was my first time I actually met Chris Pronger. Of course, I see him quite a bit now at the Enterprise Center. But that was the first time he walked in the trainer's room. I didn't even know he was on our roster. But to your point, he definitely was. And then when you got to Detroit, what was – because you had been in that fight and you, you were dealing with concussion issues much like Prongs. What was your situation with the Red Wings? Same thing. So Detroit called me and they said, hey, you know, we, we traded for you. You know, this is the situation. Uh, do you have doctors? We have doctors up here. You know, you know, how are you doing? I'm like, you know, I have I have a really good setup over here uh, in St. Louis, and they were like, okay, well, we have to at least get you up here. We have to look at you, examine you, and we have to have you at least sign off the the fact that you can't play and you're no longer eligible to play because of because of your injury. And you know, for the you know when I got in my fight, the first year and a half we dealt with concussion syndrome, and and I wasn't getting better. But they're like, you know what, let's hang in, let's hang in, you know, over time, maybe it'll, it'll kind of turn around. But then eventually it, was, it wasn't really the um, concussions anymore. It was when I got my fight, my, uh, the floor of my eye socket collapsed. It's called like your, your orbital floor, which hold, basically holds up your eyeball. And, and that collapsed in the fight. And, and it, when, it, when it healed, uh, my eye actually just sank um, a little bit lower than your right eye. So your left eye and your right eye, they want to see equal. Yeah, you want you want to see like an equilibrium across, and and the fact that my left eye was lower, 
uh, my body started to kind of torque and I just, when things moved fast, I would get these really bad headaches because uh, my body was so confused because my eyesight was so messed up. So long story short, they, they had to go up, they did some measurements on my eye. They realized that, Hey, you know, we can do this procedure to correct the floor, but you know, there's a lot of other complications. You know, you're 33, you're towards the end of your career. Do you really want to do this? And you know, we ended up saying no. So yeah, you just kind of go up there. You meet a trainer, you shake a hand, they kind of look at you, they make one little thing, they mark it, you're not ready to play, and they sign it, and you're off you go. And like I said, the team still pays your salary, which is crazy, uh, which is the one good thing I will say about the NHL, they do have guaranteed contracts. It's Mm -hmm. such a physical game uh, where if you do get hurt, and of course season-ending and even like career-ending injuries, uh, you still get the rest of your contract, which is nice. I I have to ask you this, and this is going to switch subjects just a little bit, Joey, but you know it seems like everything. So we like to talk to you about just about everything. We just had a segment a couple – we talked about this a couple segments ago, but there was two players during the NFL Combine that were asked a question about what's something that you don't really believe in. One said that he doesn't really th- believe in birds and maybe that they aren't real, saying that have you ever seen a baby pigeon? We How do we know that power lines aren't pigeon recharging stations? And then another one saying that he actually sees some valid points in flat earthers. How do you feel about both of those conspiracy theories? Interesting. I, I feel I feel pretty strong, uh, especially the baby pigeon one. Uh, when I was in New York last year, I brought this up to Curves on the broadcast, and the baby pigeon, I've never seen a baby pigeon ever. And that's kind of weird to think. Like, you see baby ducks, you see baby geese. Uh, I almost hit a baby fawn, a baby deer the other day. I was crossing the road being all crazy, like being a deer and just running across the road, mm-hmm. you know. Um, the pigeon's an interesting one. The pigeon, you never see a baby pigeon because they stay nested for so long. I, I did a little research on this. They stay they stay basically home and nested for quite a while. And, and their, their child, their first, you know, couple months, it actually goes by very quickly and they grow at an exponential rate. So that's that's the point about the, the pigeons. I don't know about power lines, like recharging them. That sounds kind of crazy, but I don't know who said that. But if I'm a GM and I hear someone say that, I'm probably taking them on my team. <laughs> <laughs> as long as it's a linebacker or something, right? Yeah, something like that. I mean, I know I know Brzgalov, he, he kind of was, you know, mouthy a few years back talking about outer space. And, you know, that got a lot of social media attention when social media just started getting big. You started talking about the planets and the sun and all this other kind of stuff. And to me, anyone anyone who could think uh, beyond the box of their sport and really have a intellectual conversation about planets or pigeons, like, of course, that NFL player, to me, uh, I want him I want him on my trivia team, no doubt. All right, Joey, the Blues have the Minnesota Wild in town tomorrow. Blues seven points out of the last wild card spot now. Seems like things are kind of getting away here, especially with the road trip the Blues have coming up. Yeah, things, uh, what's that old song, Slip, Slipping Away? I don't know who sings that song. That's a good song. Paul Simon, um, Slip Siding Away. Slip Siding Away. Yep. Slip Siding Away. I think that's the <laughs> song right now as the Blues walk in. I feel bad saying that, but they walk in the locker room. That's just kind of playing in everyone's head. Um, do you know what? The good news is it, it can certainly turn, and it's gone in the, the wrong side here for a little bit. It can certainly turn at any moment and go back on the good side. And, but the problem is now they're running, running a little bit low on time. I mean, you got almost 20 games left. You're a week away from the trade deadline. So this is where it gets, this is where it gets, of course, a little bit interesting. 
you know, you, you put together that great stretch around the all-star break, and now it's unfortunate, but you're kind of throwing it all back away. And, and we've seen this from multiple teams, whether it be the Seattle Kraken. Pittsburgh won a nice little run earlier this year and then gave it all back. And, and St. Louis is now looking like they, they've given it back to a point where if they don't, you know, obviously come up big on this next road trip, uh, th- this may be something that is just completely out of their grasp. Uh, not only their own poor play, but, uh, you know, Randy, it's been the, the positive play of teams above them and around them. I mean, National Predators, you got to give them a ton of credit. They've been going on an absolute run. Uh, lately, they won again last night against the Minnesota Wild. That was a big one. Uh, so eventually, you know, with all the teams around you playing well, uh, Seattle Kraken won, LA is continuing to win. Uh, the timing of it all is not great. As St. Louis is finding more losses and teams around are finding more wins. But this is a, as we all know, this is going to be the, the big game on Saturday before you head into ultimately what a huge road trip will look like. And, you know, as we sit here and we talk about, you know, the bad, you know, this could turn in a different way very quickly with a few more wins you put together. I mean, I know it hasn't been great for St. Louis, but let's say, for example, you win uh, tomorrow afternoon in that early game uh, versus Minnesota Wild. And then all of a sudden you get a back-to-back against Philly and New York Islanders. You put three in a row. You're not in a terrible spot. Maybe last Nashville loses a couple. And then, you know, as Doug Armstrong, you got to make a couple decisions. Maybe the things you were going to do, you get the foot back on and, and decide maybe that's not the best thing to do. So uh, I, I still think that there is still life here. I think there's a spark left, and I think that this Blues team knows it. And they're, uh, they're certainly urgent to the point where it's kind of put up or shut up time. Uh, So it'll be very interesting to see how these next few games go. Joey V, you're the best. Have a great weekend. We will be tuned in tomorrow, and we will talk to you soon. Hey, sounds great. You you too. You guys have a great weekend as well. We'll talk to you next week. That was fun, Joey. Thank you. That's Joe Vitale with us on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to head down the stretch of this week with a little edition of Rock and Roll here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. So uh, Brooke brought in Reese's Take 5 for Matthew and for Danny Mac and for me today. Didn't get one for herself. And she says, well, I didn't. I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to Arizona. I'm going to Arizona. Unbelievable. Who's going to Arizona at the same time? Mm. <laughs> Randy. <laughs> Randy, you and I are going to have very different Arizona experiences, if, if we're being honest here. <laughs> okay? We're, we're doing very, very different oh, things. You, Unless I'm going to somehow see you out at the at one of the clubs one night. Yeah, maybe at the, the Suns game. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, no, I won't be there. So okay. <laughs> very different experiences. Okay. I well, I was getting here's the thing, I was kind of fishing around to see if you guys did eat all of your take fives because you then one. I was gonna have one. No, I'd be they're, like, they're oh, fantastic. Well, do you want me to take one off? <laughs> You're responsible. <laughs> you, you, yes, <laughs> You're responsible for at least one point in blood pressure and five pounds. I'm gonna gain the next month. Oh, I'm putting it all on you. So I'm putting good. on the, the Brooke Grimsley five, and it's all gonna be Reese's take five. Somebody yeah. needs to get Robert Thomas God, one. So he could not hate on it because he was he seemed to be disgusted honestly yeah. by the take five and it's you guys can both attest Here's the to thing. this it's delicious Here's the thing Brooke what I've discovered over watching certain Canadian comedians is uh, American food capitalism doesn't always reach across the border mm-hmm. uh, for example there's a great skit by a guy one of the guys on Letterkenny where he talks about how Canada only gets regular Captain Crunch they don't get Captain Crunch with Crunch Berries or anything what? like that. Oh. And so I'm wondering here if Canada just doesn't get Reese's Take Fives. If that's one thing that's, if that's one part of the what? umbrella, much like the Captain Crunch umbrella, that is not crossing the border. 
Oh, I got to do research yeah. on this. Yeah, on the, apparently they don't get oops all crunch berries or the peanut butter ones, and this comedian who's hilarious is very mad about it. And so, I, I understand. I'll do respect to people from the North Country, but uh, <laughs> they get better lays. They get better lays than we do. We don't get oh, we don't we don't get the all okay. dressed we don't get all dressed lays like they do because it's not a oh, it's, I thought, okay that was a different lays that I was talking. About. <laughs> Randy, Randy, no, the chips, the chips. I was thinking, okay, this chips. is worth it then. All right, this is, this is so, worth it to not no, no, have we're gonna, get, we're gonna get into the main topic of rock and roll now. Good God Almighty, <laughs> the potato chip. No. <laughs> and then I said all I dressed like, wow. too, and I said all dressed too. And you didn't know that. God, that's the big thing. <laughs> If I just would have said salt and vinegar instead of all dressed, it really wouldn't have made it as good. God bless America. Oh, I walked right into that one. Right into that one. Like the horse, like the horse in that movie that makes me cry oh from when I was a God. child. Kind of um, anyhow, earlier this week we were talking about things you could change in sports history, and my favorite part about the, that segment was if you change this one thing, what three or four things change down the line? Well, Adam Schefter joined um, Barstool Big Cat and PFT Commenter on their PMT podcast to give you one of the more recent ones, and I love this. The draft. Where- where the 49ers in 2017 had the second overall pick. Patrick Mahomes was in that draft. Okay. They didn't, this is, they didn't this even do, over. They didn't do any work on him yeah. because they thought the following offseason, Kirk Cousins was leaving Washington. Oh, okay. Hold on, hold on. This gets better and better. So Kirk Cousins is leaving Washington. They thought that he would want to be there. They would want him there. And it's a layup. So there's no reason to do any real work on the quarterbacks in the 2017 draft. So why do you need to work on Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson when you know you're going to get Kirk Cousins? Mm -hmm. Well, what happens is New England calls up San Francisco that Halloween. It's like, hey, we got to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo. Just give us a two. Really? Well, they do that. So that blows up the Kirk Cousins plan. But back to that draft in 2017, the only quarterback that they did extensive work on that they wound up trading up for in the third round, they moved up to take C.J. Beathard. Mm. And when C.J. Beathard left after four years and signed with Jacksonville, the 49ers got a compensatory seventh-round draft pick. Oh. And with that compensatory seventh-round draft pick that they got from the draft in which they bypassed Patrick Mahomes, they took Brock Purdy. How about that? That's pretty wild. That's great. That's going to be one of my favorite ones for a long time now That's is the Kirk crazy. Cousins, then mm. the Garoppolo's blows it up. They draft Bethard. They he gets he uh signs with Jacksonville and then with a compensatory pick from the free agent signing of the one quarterback from that draft. That's Brock Purdy. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. Just, and, and that's my favorite thing. You change any of those three things. If Beathard gets taken by a different team and they and, they're, and mm-hmm. they aren't able to trade up for him, if the Kirk Cousins thing's never on the table, do they even consider the Garoppolo one? Or are they or they, are they locked in on the draft for the next year and go, no, we're taking one of these guys? All the things that can change, and Brock Purdy isn't one of the greatest stories in the NFL. That's incredible. That's there great. has to be an alternate universe out there somewhere. Oh, oh God, I guess yeah. I should say for Tyler Owens, I'm, I know he doesn't believe in universes, but still, yeah. there has to be an alternate universe, uh, universe? out there <laughs> somewhere where we could see the opposite of all that. It, it would be crazy. I, I love that it came up during this week where we had the segment because that's 
I hope I remember this one so that in 10 years I can explain it to people because that's that's one of my new favorite ones. Mm-hmm. The fact that it, it happened that way and all the things that could have changed, especially if if like Purdy ends up actually, you know, bringing home some Super Bowls for the 49ers, mm-hmm. it'll get really wacky and crazy. What would have happened if remember when Dave McGinnis was going to be the head coach of the Bears and it was actually the story was broken on media and then he couldn't come to a contract agreement. He was going to hire Mike Martz as his offensive coordinator and they still hadn't looked. Remember was when Kurt was going to go to yeah. Chicago and work out and they still had not had that opportunity. How much different would the world have been had Mike Martz been the offensive coordinator of the Bears and Kurt Warner had gone there? Can I say one thing? Mm-hmm. Um, if Mike Martz is the coordinator of the Bears and he plays there, how long until he gets hit and his leg gets turned up in that Soldier Field turf, and Kurt Warner gets hurt. For the exact same well, reason why players always get beat up in, in, in Soldier Field and stuff. Yeah, but he, he Kurt was pretty good. Yeah, he, was. he was pretty good at avoiding those sorts of hits. It, when he got hurt, it wasn't his legs, it was his hands. True, but would Mike Martz not have had seven step dropbacks without Orlando Pace at left tackle? Well, they did okay in Washington. <laughs> That's true, he did, yeah, yeah. you're right. No, he, he was fine. So it, I think you just have to... You, know, you have to adapt to the surroundings, but it would have been interesting if he never would have, would have wound up here. And man, what do we think with the Bears? If you know they have a five-year run mm-hmm. with Kurt Warner as their quarterback, and every single the Bears never had a quarterback. The Bears yeah, never had an now offense. Now, now they would have. It's completely different. <laughs> yeah, pretty wild. A uh, great job today by our producer, audio, video engineer, the one, the only Matthew Rocky. Thank you, sir. Pleasure. Uh, Brooke, did you have fun today? I did. Hey, your face. We want to see your face. Who said that? You want to see my face? And now. I might need to go get a take five. There you go. Woo! That's what, what I like I to hear. I was trying so she hard broke to show herself on this one. I know. I bought it. I just bought three, and I was like, I'm only going to get three for Rock, Randy, and Dan. And I was like, maybe do I get one for myself? No, I won't need it. Yeah, now you do. Now I do. Yep. Hey, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. We've got a balloon party coming up with T Mac and Ajax, followed by BK and Ferrario. I think they're over at the Centene Center today. Yes, they are. And then we've got a fast lane coming your way from 4 to 6 this afternoon. We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. And on this Friday, don't just have a great weekend. Have an American weekend. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.